0: And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 32 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How are you guys doing? Well, welcome to another Sunday. And of course, that means around here, it is a vault episode. Where uh, I bring back one of my old player interviews off of my old website and get it back up on the internet. And uh, because I wanted to, uh, for anybody new to the show, uh, every Wednesday is new content, and then every Sunday is uh, a vault episode. Uh, And I had an old website, fourthlinevoice.com, that crashed after 40 some episodes. Um, But I always, when I joined the network, I talked to the guys and I said I would really not only obviously make new content, but I really wanted to get my old stuff back up on my old interviews back up on the. On, on the internet, uh, because like I said, the guys took time out to talk to me, and I, I really I was really proud of the interviews, and uh, I wanted to get them out there for everyone to hear again, and uh, so that's what we're doing here on Sunday. So today's episode, um, and I haven't gone in any order or anything, it's just kind of all over the place, but uh, I have a really, really fun talk with Bryce Davidson. Um, he played uh, Junior A in Ontario, and a little bit in the SJ, and uh, then he went on and played two years of pro, and one of them was in... Uh, the Sunshine Hockey League, and uh, which was only around for one year, but he played in Daytona Beach. How's that playing pro hockey in Daytona Beach? I could think of worse things. But uh, and then he played a year in the Colonial League. But in those two years, he managed to rack up. He led the league both both leagues in penalty minutes with 850 in two seasons. So uh, Bryce stays busy, or stayed busy. But he had uh, some really great stories, and he was a lot of fun to talk to. And uh, trust me, you'll hear some names that you're familiar with. And uh, and also, Bryce's uh, father played in the minors, and his grandfather actually played for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, Bob Davidson, and then went on to scout. And he has a very interesting, at the end of the interview, he has a very interesting scouting story that uh, would have changed the history of hockey. We'll put it that way. You're going to have to tune in. To find out what I'm talking about, but it's uh, but it's a great talk. Bryce is a great guest, a lot of fun, and he is on Twitter. I will uh, put the link out there. Uh, definitely track him down on Twitter. He's a fun guy to talk to, and uh, yeah, and it was and it was a lot of fun, and I'm and I'm really glad to get this episode back out there. Um, but in the meantime, I hope like I said, this is episode 32. I hope everybody goes back and you've checked out the. 31 other episodes. Like I said, I've got some great uh, Vault episodes with John Morasty and Sean McMorrow and Joey Tedarenko and Chris Waltz and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, like I said, and I've, I'm proud of all the interviews. And then, um, yeah, and I've got guys uh, looking forward. i got a few guys booked here and hopefully we can get some people on the phone and uh, and and get to doing some interviews. Uh, yeah, it's um, Although I will say my, my last episode there on Wednesday, uh, I was in a bit of a mood, I'm not going to lie, and I got a little ranty, but uh, other than my ranting, my nonsensical ranting, um, I had uh, Terry Ryan on. Uh, it was a snippet from one of my old Christmas episodes where I talked to Terry about his five toughest teammates. And uh, like somebody pointed out, it ended up being about twenty-three of his toughest teammates. But, but you know, because Terry tells the story. But uh, always fun talking to Tr. And uh, episode was really well received. People are enjoying it. And uh, yeah, man, it's cool. And uh, other than that, I escaped up to the lake. Uh, so I was I was on I'm at, I've been on vacation all week, um, which has been uh a lot of fun and nothing too exciting I mean obviously in these crazy times you're not going too far but got up to the lake up at Candle a couple hours away and uh managed to get out on the boat and did some fishing and uh just relaxed and probably drank too much beer but uh uh and then uh, and the weather was great so that was a lot of fun and uh back now and as I sit here and look out my deck on this Saturday afternoon it's a nice afternoon um yeah, I just really, really don't have too much planned. I mean, that's uh, yeah, been a good holiday. Like I said, didn't really do, didn't really accomplish much, but it's holidays, you know. What the fuck, right? I mean, what, what, you know. And uh, but uh, it was just nice to get away from work, and uh, I tell you, I, I could get used to this retirement thing. Yeah. Oh, shouldn't talk. Don't wish your life away, right? But fourteen years to go. but lots of stuff can happen within 14 years so but I can definitely uh, <laughs> I can definitely see the upsides of it but uh, yeah what are you guys doing on your weekend here I hope uh, hope everybody's doing well and staying safe and uh, if you're into the playoffs um, hopefully your team is winning I have no idea but uh, you know obviously I see the highlights on the on the Twitter timeline and See everybody's ranting and raving, and uh, yeah, you know, I I was good. I was gonna rant and stuff, but I don't know what's eh, what's the point. I mean, really, I could come on here every time. I read Twitter about five minutes before I hit record, and then I could be wound up for an hour yelling into this microphone about how much I hate hockey fans. But it's just unbelievable. You know, and, of course, the Bruins family's crying about Tuka Rask, and you know, how he left to go back home with his family. And, of course, everyone's just speculating why and, and everything. And it's just like, oh, and then, you know, and it's just like, oh, you know, the guy obviously was, you know, I don't know, I don't, mental issues, that's not the right word, but, um, you know, his, his wife's expecting to have some younger kids. And, you know, the guy just wanted to be back with his family. You know, they're living in a bubble. And and I mean everybody always goes back to like well they make millions of dollars you know and it's just cuz well that in there that just that just solves everything right I mean there's still human emotion involved and everything else and I mean yeah you got a job but no one is prepared to live in a bubble and uh you know and obviously I don't you know he couldn't handle it or whatever the issue was and uh and and opted out I mean um you know, it's unfortunate for the Bruins. Um, and I don't know who their backup is, or if that's a huge... I don't know, is that a huge blow to the Bruins? I'm assuming it is. <coughs> um, you know, but... Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? I mean, it's mental health, and uh, if that's indeed what it is, and I laugh, these people on Twitter, you're this... Uh, and isn't it ironic, isn't it, today, like, Rick Rippen's birthday? Which is, you know... It was either today or yesterday, and I saw a bunch of people talking about it on Twitter and rest in peace and all mental health and oh everybody if you're having trouble you should talk to people and of course when the the Bell Let's Talk initiative comes up on Twitter everyone's retweeting it and all oh, mental mental health mental health, but then something like this happens and the same clowns that are screaming mental health and playing hero on Twitter are the first ones to shit talk to Carrasco oh, you okay bitch take your money and run you know like okay. Yeah, he isn't a warrior. Yeah, coming coming from Johnny on the couch. I love that one. Yeah. Suck it up, pussy. You know. Same guy who stays home for a week from work with a cough, you know. But yeah. Yeah, it's just whatever. Typical hockey fans. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as I'm sitting here recording, this is a real professional setup. As I'm sitting here recording, up I'm scrolling Twitter. Uh, why am I doing? Like, it's like I'm adding. Like that's uh, literally adding fuel to the fire. You know, I'm just ugh. I just Stevie Dangle and uh yeah, Stevie Dangle breaking down what the Leafs' problems are. Oh yeah, because Stevie knows the guy who sits in his parents' basement and yells on YouTube. Yeah, let's look for him for the answers. Oh Christ, ugh. Yet these same clowns will yell at Steve Simmons and everyone else, but oh, but they listen to Stevie. Oh Christ, you know, oh, whatever. I don't know. I'm looking at some of these podcasts of these people, and it was funny when I was up at the lake. Um, I got I was up early in the morning, and I kind of went cruising around, and uh, you know, while everybody else was still sleeping, and just kind of wandered down to the lake and whatever. And I was I was listening to. I'm just like, I took this time out to kind of listen to a few, I always want to listen to, I listen to other podcasts just to hear what other people are doing and just their approach to things and, you know, it's just like studying, really, or just seeing what's out there. I don't want to say it's competition because it's completely different. They're not talking about the same things I am and, and I don't view, I don't really care what they're doing. I'm just listening just to get ideas or or what have you, Um, you know. But at the same time, I'm like morbidly curious, and it's like this morbid curiosity, and uh, ugh. And, I, and again, I'm not saying all that. I'm fucking the second coming of spit and chicklets, and I'm the king of all media or anything like that. I know this is an outlaw mud show. I I get that. I'm not and I'm not disputing that. But at the same time, I've never claimed to be otherwise. But. but Oh man, there is some terrible shit out there. And like some really high level terrible shit that people think is good and I don't understand it. Like there is zero it's like there was zero preparation that went into it. Zero like even though you're like you're an ex-player so obviously you have credibility in terms of the gameplay and everything else could you maybe do some research on your guest? I mean, yeah, okay, you played against him, but maybe figure out where he played junior. It's just like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I've always been about respecting the guest. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying you got to know every intimate detail about the person, but, like, where he played junior is a start. Like, are you serious? And it's just like, I don't know, I listen, and then other podcasts, just these, it's three gym class heroes sitting around talking about what teams should have done, and this guy sucks, and just, I mean, I guess people enjoy that shit because it's them, you know, that's like, because that's them and their buddies sitting around the living room when the Leafs lose, and they all talk like that. Well, so now here's a podcast with three guys just like us, just like me and my, my bros, you know so i guess it's a now it's just uh, your whole audience is those gym class heroes that yell shoot at the tv and 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 question every coaching move and you know and read the constantly scrolling twitter and everything else and hockey news update for every for every little bit of info and you know yeah, and whatever, I mean, if that's your thing I mean, you know, I mean, it's the same thing as I sit on YouTube or, or drop your gloves and watch you know, and upload hours and hours of fight DVDs so I mean, you know, it's it's the same but different, I mean, you know we all have our nerdy habits but at the same time I'm not tweeting at Andrew Peters telling him what he should have done in this fight versus Matt Johnson you know, like there, there, there's a big difference right, but uh I don't know. I I don't. Uh, I don't know. I've said it a million times, and I've said it on other shows, and I've said it on here. So I mean, I, I mean, I guess my shit at this point, my whole uh, thing, my whole gimmick is just a broken record. But it's just, uh, yeah. I've I've never been the the fucking super fan. I've just never understood. I've I've never understood the shitting of a- on athletes. Like I mean, like I always say, I, I get that you you think this guy's better than that guy and whatever. I yeah, that's fine. I get that, but I don't know. I to sit there and second guess Sheldon Keith and well, I you know they should have. Uh, Oh, they should have been running the two one two and uh, in the second period there and on the forecheck. Uh, just what do you okay? Calm down, you know. You, you spend you spend one day at a coaching clinic and and you're ready for the show. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I guess that's what uh, it, it was. A very interesting as I scrolled through about a dozen podcasts that were uh, apparently unchartables ranked very high, and uh, I have and it wasn't just the player. Player, player, uh, pod, spit it out. Uh, it wasn't just player podcasts. It was like, I, I mean, I'm not going to call anyone out, whatever, because I'm sure if they listen to this, they'd be like, "Who the fuck is this clown?" <laughs> and I respect, you know, whatever. That's fine, but you know, uh, I, I don't get it. I didn't get it. I will never get it. I don't know who would want to listen to that. Um, but whatever or no I, I guess i just explained why i get why people listen to it because it's them just with a podcast so i don't know whatever w- what's yelling about that going to do nothing and, and i mean hey have, have your podcast i mean you could you could choose not to listen right i mean it's not no one's forcing you to listen but um yeah it was it was just inter- it's interesting to see what is uh what is a, a, in air quotes, a highly thought of or listened to podcast. I don't know. But, whatever. Different things for different folks, right? So, whatever floats your boat, whatever blows your hair back, as they say. I don't know. But other than that, I, I don't know. really don't have too much to say here on this Saturday afternoon. Like I said, it's a nice day out. I should probably go out and, uh, and do some stuff, get ready. Man, I gotta oh, go back to work in two days. I don't know. I was I was getting really used to this time off. I have so much vacation time, and normally, like I said, I usually save it up for for the February because we always go to Las Vegas, right? But of course, that's not happening this year, so I guess I will have to uh, I'm gonna have to start spreading my holidays out here. Look at me! Oh, first world problems. Yeah how do I how do I uh, spread out six weeks of holidays? But uh, you know. Come up with something. Maybe I'll just take every Friday off or something from here on out, and just have short weeks. I don't know. Yeah, woe was me. <laughs> Those are Darren problems. But uh, do I just? I just sound like a pretentious asshole right now. Fuck. You know, I'm not trying to sound like that, but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just sort of thinking out loud as I'm reading all my sticky notes around my room. Um, yeah. You know what though. You know what you can do, as I'm reading this one sticky note, you can go to cooljersey.com. Holy, let's cut. I hope the the sponsors aren't listening to this. I hope the the, the network guys aren't listening to this. That's a sponsor for our network, and I'm screwing up the ad read. Hold on, let's try this again. I suppose I could always edit, but I'm too lazy to edit, so we'll do this again. Go to coolhockey.com. Been around since 1999, they're NHLPA-endorsed. I know a lot of you guys out there are Jersey cats, especially at the playoffs, your juices are flowing, my team, my team. Um, I don't know if they have the new Seattle stuff yet. They will, I'm sure, obviously they will at some point. But uh, actually, I will say, even though I'm, I hate Hockey, I'm kind of, uh, I think the Seattle Kraken name sucks. Jersey's a pretty badass, though, so i got to say. I was looking at them the other day again, I'm like, eh, you know, I could get down with that. Not that I would go buy a Kraken jersey, but... <coughs> I've seen worse. We'll put it that way. But the Kraken, eh, not digging that one. But anyway, they probably have a Kraken jersey at some point. But CoolHockey.com. If you go there, um, you can get the third jersey, the stadium jersey, whatever, whatever jersey you're looking for. Um, you can get it hand sewn numbers. It's got the fight strap, the whole nine yards. It's the real shit, man. It's the it's the jersey that the guys on the ice wear and it's, uh, get 30% off and free shipping, it's out of Toronto um, like I always say, I, the example I used, I went, I picked up the Flames third jersey, you know, the old classic red one there with the Flaming C uh, put number 16 McGrattan on the back hand sewn, $185 shipping, uh, free shipping like I said, that's a Canadian too huh? so, can't beat it with a stick like I said, it's $300 in the stores here at Jersey City <coughs> and at, uh, you know, Olympian and stuff so you know, I'm getting almost half the half off. How, you know, what more could one man do for you? And apparently, I was reading in our thing they sometimes do forty percent off with the with the promo code when you're checking out. If you Use the promo code THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, yeah, it'll come up. It's thirty percent for sure. Sometimes forty. Um, so definitely check that out if you're if you're gonna buy me buying the jerseys. I know you guys. You know, if you're not buying the knockoffs, um, you know, you, everybody wants the legit stuff. Well, there you go. There's the, there it is. The legit, like I said, you can get any, any name you want, any number you want. Like I said, you want to put Sexton Hardcastle double zero on the back, knock yourself out. Um, it's all, it's, uh, like I said, 185 bucks, 109. Yeah, I guess it depends on the Jersey you're picking, but like I said, they're around 180, $190 Canadian, uh, out of Toronto. So, and like I said, I've talked to people that have used the site. The stuff's all legit. Um, qual- hand, like real quality stuff. And, uh, you know, no BS, and like I said, it helps the network out here. Ish and Dylan and the boys, you know, they get a they get a kickback of uh, you know some percentage of sales. Helps them out running this uh, running this ship here with all these crazy uh, outlaw podcasts on here. Myself and Terry Ryan, of course. Now they got thirty one or thirty two. I don't know if there's a Seattle podcast yet, but I'm sure there will be. But they have every every team's represented represented in, in terms of a podcast. So at 32, right? And then uh, there's a couple of analytics shows. And like I said, it's a, it's a big network, 40 plus shows. And uh, so any little bit that we can, uh, that if I can help those guys out, get a little bit of funding, um, you know, this is on their dime. I'm not paying nothing. This is easy for me. I just hit record, put my BS down and uh, turn it into an MP3 and send it to them and they do the rest. So um, it's, you know, pretty easy for me. So those guys are putting in a lot of work. And, uh, you know, so if this helps them out a little bit, I hope you guys guys will buy a jersey. Like I said, you're buying them anyway, so why not, right? You save some money here, help the network out there, boom, everyone's happy. So there you go, coolhockey.com, check them out. Um, Other than that, guys, how about, uh, you know, and like I said, with the network, lots of great shows, plus my boy Alec over at Five for Fighting, Joe at the Coliseum Chronicles, Bobby Longrass, the Bucket Drop Podcast, and, uh, you know... Dan, Paul, and uh, Kelly over at the uh, Obey the Puck Show, and, uh, you know, like I said, there's lots of good podcasts out there, um, you know, just because you've never heard of them, or they're not big time, like Spitting Chicklets, or John Scott Show, whatever, dropping the Gloves, whatever the fuck it's called, um, you know, Cam and, Cam and uh, what was it Cam and Strick, Um I really like their video breakdowns of Cam's fights. so those are pretty cool. Cam, could you ditch the shades in the studio, though? That's a rough look. Like I always say, there's, there's only two people that wear sunglasses indoors. Blind people and assholes, and you don't seem to be running into anything. So, come on now. But, uh, no, I did Cam Jansen's. He's badass. But, uh, really? Sunglasses indoors? Yeah, No. But uh, No, other than that, um, like I said, I know... There's a million podcasts out there, and uh, we're all fighting for airtime, and just because we don't have our own alcohol or, uh, you know, we're, we, didn't, we didn't play 10 years in the league, um, you know, it doesn't mean these shows aren't worth a listen. And, uh, you know, even if, you know, my show is not, well, you're listening to my show, but um, even if this could be the first and last time you've listened to your show, this show, um, you know, please go out of your way to maybe to discover a new show and and give them a listen like i said we're all fighting for airtime. time we're all fighting for uh you know the pie only cuts up so many ways there's only so much time in the day so um you know and i get i'm um, you know spitting and chiglets and all them i get it um and, I, and hey you know but uh you know give i always say you know everyone knows the stones and led zeppelin but maybe give the indie bands a try too you know they need some record sales too so um same thing in podcasting everybody knows the big shows and that's cool i get it but uh maybe uh tune into a new guy every once in a while and uh and and, hey you might discover something like i said history of hockey podcast there you go shane does a great job um he put out 100 plus episodes and he does a lot of research shows like that you'll tune in learn something um, if you, you know, if you're tuning in because I have Bryce Davidson on and you know Bryce from up at the lake or remember watching him play back in Daytona or whatever, thank you. Like I said, I hope you check out my other 32 episodes. If it's just like, eh, I think you're a putz, but I'm here to listen to Bryce and then I'm never listening to your show again. Completely understand. That's cool. But hey, maybe check out Alec over at Five for Fighting or Bobby Longgrass at the Bucket Drop Podcast, you know, and, uh you know, you might find something you're, you're, you're into. So, and, and like I said, every, we're all fighting for, uh, for your guys's listens. So, um, for the, for those who do tune in regularly, thank you very much. Um, honestly, it from, uh, I very much appreciate it. And thank you very much for getting, getting, getting to me, back to me on Twitter and send me the private message and, Tell me you listen to the show and uh, some suggestions or you know critiques or whatever. That's all cool. I love it, and uh, at least I'm happy that people are out there listening. Um, it still blows my mind that people are out there listening, and uh, and from all over the world, which is insane. You know, it's it's um, yeah, it's very humbling as well. And uh, to think, you know, this dumbass in Saskatoon sitting in his two bedroom condo on the west side, and uh, you know, and I have somebody from you know the Czech Republic. Um, tweeting me, saying they listen to it. It's bizarre, but uh, and it's really cool. But uh, follow me on Twitter at Fourth Line Voice. Also, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. Could you guys subscribe? Hit the little bell notification. I've been I'm always putting up new fights. And like I said, there's over 2,200 videos on there from junior to pro. Type in whatever league you're looking for. I got it on there. And like I said, it's it's not just the standard Probert versus Cox stuff. No, it's like Colt Lawrence with Current or Eric Goddard in Bridgeport, or, uh, you know, and some of his American League, some of his NHL stuff, but I, I try to get the guys at different phases of their careers, get, let people see a different side of them, right? Like, I just put up a really good junior fight with John Erskine versus Kip Brennan, they beat the piss out of each other in the OHL, kind of back in the day when the two of them were the kind of like the noted kingpins of the league, and they finally clashed, and it's a hell of a fight, and, uh, ch- definitely check it out, and, uh, and yeah, that'd be really cool. And like I said, subscribe. And if you're, if you're going to iTunes, could you rate and review the show? It helps me out. Um, other than that, that's all my plugs. We're 20-some minutes in. How about I just shut up and let's get on with Bryce Davidson? I think you guys will really dig this interview. Bryce is a lot of fun. Like I said, go search him out on Twitter. He's on there all the time. And uh, he can tell some, he tells some funny stories. And he's a good dude. So definitely go check him out. And uh, I will be back and talk to you guys on Wednesday with some new content. And uh, hopefully, I have a new guest for you. But uh, in the meantime, you guys stay safe, have a good week, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks, guys. All the way out in cottage country and uh, out in Ontario, Bryce Davidson. Bryce, how you doing tonight? I am uh, fantastic. Thank you. For- well, hey man, I appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, I was just uh, I was checking out your uh, your hockey DB page here before we uh, before I hit the hit the phone and uh, did some quick math. Between uh, the two seasons of junior they have on here and the two seasons of pro, 172 games played, 1, fifteen hundred penalty minutes. That, yeah, that's, that, that's some solid work, man. <laughs> that's almost embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, better to be known for something than nothing at all. So yeah,
1: exactly. There, that's in that there'd be another 400 minutes. Uh, they're missing uh, that last year in junior. I was out in uh, Waver, Saskatchewan, to where. I think in 14 games I averaged 10 minutes a game out there too. So, at uh, three straight 400 minute seasons is is something, I guess.
0: Well, hey, there you go. Well, in, yeah, yeah. See, I didn't know what. Uh, I'm trying to look. What what year were you in Weyburn? So it was before Mississauga. Uh, 90
1: before before Muskoka. I finished the, those last 29 games. They were my last 29 games as a 20 year old. I was out in. Uh, I went out to Weyburn as a 20-year-old for three months, I think. I was out there before coming home.
0: Okay, well, let's, uh, well, hey, like I said, when I was on the phone, when we before we got going, I said, well, we're going to timeline your career, and uh, well, we'll, we'll may as well, Wow. Well, before we start in Weyburn, we'll, we'll back it up. Um, yeah. So you're from, uh, well, it says here you're born in uh, Mississauga? Yes, yeah, born,
1: born and bred in Mississauga.
0: So, uh, did you ever run into Don Cherry? <laughs> uh, one of <one>, what? I, <laughs> I haven't, and, uh, as much
1: as I love the guy, I, I'm probably one of the few that haven't, uh, haven't run into him. Oh, I what I mean, my brother where, did all the time, but.
0: I guess that's where his team is. I guess he's a Kingston guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. He actually, uh, he did have a house in Mississauga, though, just off Mississauga
1: Road in the Hoity Toity area, and, uh, yeah, and he was around the rinks all the time, I just, it was never, uh, never when I was there for some reason.
0: <laughs> so you played uh, so minor hockey in in Mississauga. Now, now judging by obviously with these penalty minutes, um, were you like? Did you kind of when you start playing junior, just sort of like, okay, this is what I got to do, or is it always kind of were you naturally uh, feisty? I
1: was always, I was always feisty. I always loved contact like I, I love the physical aspect of the game for uh strange being the size that i am but uh i can always hold my own and then uh and it i were uh they're missing the 92 93 season with mississauga where i uh i, I can remember how i made the team to where i was I was just out skating and and uh and playing physical in the scrimmage and and they sent a vet after me to I guess see if I would respond or how I would react, and uh, and we had a pretty good dust up at, uh, in the middle of the scrimmage, and uh, and lo and behold, after that first skate, they they put a card in front of me and asked if I'd uh, asked if I'd sign. Uh, so that's how it all started, and, and our my coach back then we had a we had a Looney Tune coach by the name of Dan Lane, who uh, you can look him up on the Hockey DB. He played in Oshawa, and, uh, he was a crazy, crazy man. Uh, I I think he enjoyed the style that I brought.
0: (laughs) Now, they, um, yeah, well, so, like, get, get, I mean, well, we'll get into this after we're done talking about your career, but you obviously, you come from a hockey family. It's, it was in you. Um, so, I mean, I don't think anybody needed to, uh. You know, t- tell you what what goes down in in, in junior hockey. Um, did you do any preparation, like any boxing or anything, getting ready for it, or is it just sort of let's see what happens and away we go?
1: No, uh, no. I had uh, my older brother played junior. Um, he ended up going to Canisius College. Uh, he was he, he his penalty minutes weren't as high, um, but he was. He, he was tougher than I was. I, I don't think it too many people bothered my brother. So I, I, had that going in. I knew what he was a couple of years older than me. And, uh, so I always knew what to do. And I always respected those types of players, uh, like the, the Wendell Clarkson, the Rick Tockets, and, and, uh, and even when you got into the Cortex and the Proberts and I always, I always loved and enjoyed the physical part of the game. And, and I always took honor and and sticking up for my teammates. Um, I want to say I wasn't one of those types of players that go around and and be dirty, but uh, I, I had no problem with the people who wanted to be dirty. Right, so yep. it was uh, it was always good that way.
0: Well, yeah, well, there you go. So, um, anyway, so in the Junior A league, you played in uh, the Metro Junior A League in Out in Ontario. Uh, you know, looking up just, uh, just some dudes that kind of went through that, like Gent- Glenn Metropolitan, uh, yes. uh, Mike York, um, and then, and a lot of like Greg Keeler, Mark Tropper, I mean, seemed to be a lot of like some, a lot of guys that went on and played in, like the minors and stuff like that. Um, so I mean, solid league.
1: Yeah, it was back then. We, there'd be two or three players every year drafted to the. Drafted out of that league, and and all of, uh, Stan Butler Coach Wexford back then. Uh, he's been with North Bay and Brampton for twenty years now. He'd get four or five kids easily off his team. They'd get full. There's a lot of D1 scholarships that came out of that league. There was there's a few players who refused to go play major junior because they wanted to go to school. Yep, uh, but it, it was uh, junior hockey. I want to say is a little major junior like but tier two is different once and now that they've switched to high schools to like it was common back then to, to play hockey till you're 20 years old because you'd only graduate like we had grade 13 still or always back then to, you weren't graduating until you were 18 or 19 to, to hang back for a year or two and keep playing hockey hoping for something right to, yeah. it, uh, it was it was pretty common back then to but, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a respectable league back then. Um, one of the better ones, I would think.
0: Yeah, well, and I know a couple names that kind of, in, in terms of the in the toughness. Um, one, Brad Demonsky. Yeah. And then the other cat, who was a guest on my show a while back, and he only played a few games in there, but did you ever have any run-ins with the old screwy Todd St. Louis? No, I, I,
1: I, I've looked up a bunch of his stuff to... No, we never cross paths uh, here, right? Uh, but uh, there was um, back it almost. It was a different league, but Roger Maxwell. We'd play in exhibition and stuff. Um, he was a top. I think he's a top ten all time. Minor league penalty minute guy. He played in Brampton. Yep. Um, yeah. And Dougie Mann was in Brampton, who I ended up playing in uh, in the Southern League. though so he was around for a long time. Um, he was another there. Brampton and Caledon, they, they had their teams different. Uh, uh, Brampton, Dave Frost was their coach who, uh, <laughs> who yeah, we all know who he is. Um, but they they had such a tough team. They were, they, were, uh, they were in the Ontario Provincial Junior League, which was we'd see each other in exhibition, but we didn't play regular season against each other. But if you're on the road to the Centennial Cup back then it was called, or the Royal Bank Cup now, or Telescope or whatever it's called now, to, uh, but they, Branton would literally warm up from the far blue line down in uh, in their games, and they were a tough enough team, and they had tough enough guys with Frost coaching that every team let them. To, the rest <laughs> of them, would, the rest of them would warm up just inside their blue line, and Brampton would get three quarters of the ice to where. And, and, it's funny. Back then in junior, I think of the bench brawls we had in junior and some of the crazy stuff we we did. Um, where I would have never made it out of junior, I would have been gone forever to uh, the stuff we got away with back then and and uh, they they'd let us do and and you, you might get a game or two games where now you'd be gone for the season, right? So, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and that's the thing, and I always, well, you're on Twitter, you and I talk on Twitter a bunch, and, and just kind of in that little fight circle that we have, that little group there, and uh, and we always, like, I've, I've tried to say, oh, I've said this on other episodes, and I mean, I, today's fan ha- has no idea, no idea what it was like back then, and the mindset, and just uh, and just the vibe. Oh, yeah, like,
1: okay, my, that's, 93-94 season in Mississauga. <clears throat> I think we started 0-3 for 0-4, and we're on a bus trip to Kingston on a Sunday afternoon. And and our coach, Dan Lane, at the time, calls me and, and a kid by the name of Blaine McCauley up, who's brother's uh, Wes McCauley, the ref. And uh, we get called to the front of the bus, and, and uh Laner's like, all right, got to get something to gel this team together and uh he's like we're 0-3 we really need a win and we're like all right well what what do you want what do you think coach and he's like pre-game brawl and we're like what and he's like i want you guys to start a pre-game brawl it'll, it'll bring the team together <laughs> so we're like all right so <laughs> blainer and i go to the back of the bus and we're like well what do we do and, uh we're like well let's make sure we get out there before kingston gets out and uh and we'll go down and we'll steal their net and we'll bring it down into our end. So we'll, we'll warm up with both nets. And and when Kingston comes on to come down and get their net, that's when it'll happen. So sure enough, and we let the whole team know what was going on and, and uh, we said, everyone better have their gloves off and everyone better be involved and make sure you grab someone. And, and sure enough, we go out there and we, we do a couple laps and Kingston's not on and Blaine and I look at each other and we, down to the end of the ice and we grab kingston's net and we push it all the way down put it in the corner in our end and throw the back up in there and kingston then comes out and they do a couple laps and they got no net so they send a couple players down into our end and it was nuts like it as soon as they grab the net sure enough it happens and gloves are off and it had to have gone on for 15 or 20 minutes and coaches on the ice and fans on the ice and cops on the ice. and What we didn't know it was going on in the rink that day was they had the Canadian women's national teams. There it was a, a new arena in Kingston. To, so they were all in one night, half of the, this rink, and we were playing on the other half. So the the place was packed with people, and, and all of a sudden there's this 20-minute junior brawl going on before the game even. <laughs> Before the game even starts, right? No refs on the ice, nothing going on. It was crazy, and that—that that did that result. I think I got five games for that. Blaine got five games and traded, and uh, it ended up costing our coach Lanier his job. To because it all came out with <laughs> what exactly what happened?
0: <laughs> oh, somebody ratted on him. Oh, no, yeah, yeah.
1: They, they the owners weren't too happy with that one.
0: <laughs> what, like, when you, uh, when they bench is clear, what do you, uh, like you said, you're in a couple or whatever, like, what are you thinking, like, at that point? It's, uh, uh, make sure you don't go down and uh, grab someone you can take. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's, uh, that's we, like, every team has guys who've never fought in their lives, right? To where oh, yeah. We were, we were like, just hold on, just grab someone, tie them up, and hold on, and, and uh, I want to say I was in... Is in four or five, full bench, and at least, I would think. And that there at least three pregames. And that's, a, like, I think I was playing in Florida, or it might have been in Saginaw, and there was a pregame brawl in Ajax, and a kid fractured his skull. And then it, it was the in Ontario, they came down hard right after that. They are like, one more pregame brawl, and whoever starts, it's never allowed to play again. Yeah. Where back back when i played it was like they joke like you cross that center red line uh it was like young butter or whatever
0: right like that yep. was
1: a it, it was go time <laughs> my my mom used to i think i spent three or four national anthems in the penalty box uh, like with 10 minute misconducts or just the refs getting word of what happened in warm-up and coming out and and my mom would be like, "I can't believe I came into the rink and you're in the friggin' penalty box for the national anthem." <laughs> <laughs> it was. Uh, she left with her head down. A few games, I think.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it happens. You know, yeah. No, yeah. Mom, no mom wants to see the kid fight. That's for sure. Um, well, so yeah, so ninety three, ninety met Miss- uh, Mississauga at the Sanders. Forty four games, three hundred thirty one penalty minutes. Lead, led the league. Um, so the next year, you went to Weyburn, you were, yeah, saying, I
1: got, you were uh, saying. Yeah, I had had a, we had an ownership change in Mississauga and, and uh, I was the captain that year and an all-star and and all those fancy things that, uh, and it's we talked about that Metro all-star game, I think I think there was three players in it who had 300 minutes and penalties that year in junior to um, but went out to through a contact, I found out Wayburn held my rights for the Saskatchewan Junior League. So, just to do something different and, and see what it was like, and I wasn't—I was out of school by that point. Uh so I went out and I went out there for—I uh, think I played 14 or 15 games. To, and it, I had a five-game suspension in that. I want to say my second game, we were in Yorkton, and uh, and it was—we uh, had—we were down a man, killing penalty and a, and a line brawl broke out to where I was on the bench and I coming from Ontario and used to doing what I did uh, I left the bench and I looked behind me by the time I got to my guy and no one came with me so it was uh, I got myself and my coach a five game suspension for that one
0: <laughs> well, I was just sort of uh, at the time of like the ninety four ninety five 95 and the SJ um yeah, I've just kind of I quickly uh, was just looking up uh, some of the guys that were there, like Reed Low, uh, Curtis Vaughn, Darcy Faro. Like, did you did you run into any of these guys?
1: I I wasn't there long enough to know names of who I was fighting and and why. Or um, the only one I remember, and he didn't play. He had just come back. Was a uh, Ret Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. Uh, I remember he was in the rink and and that was the word going around the room was whether he was going to dress and and what it meant if he did dress and and all that. And he ended up not dressing that night to where I, like I said, I, 14 games, I probably fought 10 times out there, but I, I can't remember who I fought to, it was, uh, Saskatchewan was was a bit of a blur. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I was going to say Darcy Froe, he was actually on Weyburn with you now that I read a little closer. Oh, um, well, there you go. Yeah. Well, so so you're out you have your Saskatchewan experience and uh that it was like, well, I you know, I'll head home. So you go back to uh back to the Metro League uh so to Muskoka. Uh 29 games, 16 points, 316 minutes of penalties. They got you listed here. Yeah. From, so looking, wanna... from, from looking it up, you still, even in 29 games, you led the league.
1: <laughs> Probably. It's, I think it might have, they might have counted 10 minute misconducts in that. Or if you got, like, it like back then, if you fought, you, I want to say, game it. They might have counted game misconduct. Is so? If a fighting, yet had a fighting major. It was a fifteen-minute penalty, not a five-minute penalty. Because I, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I had to ever played if I had that many penalty minutes in that few games. But I did. I, I had a few fun ones there. To where same thing. We we had a pregame brawl there with Kaladin, and uh, and I can remember my whole point in coming home was I didn't want to fight anymore, and. I think I did good for the first three or four games, and then, and then yeah, I just got silly after that. Uh, um, but yeah, we had. I remember one in three fights and one stoppage of play one time, yeah. and then uh, and I there was another one. Like I said, Callan had uh, Greg Ireland was the coach of Callan, and, and uh, he coached in the AHL for quite a while, and and uh, I remember we we're. Uh, i knew it by that time at 20 years old too i knew the refs really well and all the linesmen and and we'd joke around and and they knew exactly what i was like and and they'd been doing they'd known me for four years now and and, uh i can remember getting taken off the ice in Caledon after a fight or and uh and we had it was the second period and we had to skate by their goalie to get off the back through the back door and um, I just ran the Russian name by the name of Sharf and, and, uh, he he was holding me and I was like, Hey, Sharf, you do me a favor, let go of me. And he's like, why? And I was like, I'm going to start a brawl. And he's like, what? I was like, I'm going to start a brawl and jump on the goalie on the way off. And he did. He let go of me. He let it happen, right? <laughs> 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 He was like, "Go at, go at it, bud." Classic. <laughs> and sure enough, I like Jeff Mond, who was their goalie at the time. He was a. He went to Ohio State, and he played in the AHL for quite a bit. I think. Yeah, I did. He was laughing at me as I skated by, and I just reached back and grabbed him by his mask, and and yeah, both benches were were empty. <laughs> but uh, what you could do like like I said, 25 years ago, you could do that type of stuff, right? Yep, so yep. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it was all part of the game back then.
0: Yeah, it was interesting when you talk about Khaled and the Canadians there. I was just looking at their roster. There was a fifteen year old named Nick Boynton on that team. Yeah. Yes. I fought Nick Boynton. How'd it go? No
1: bad I felt bad, right? I was five years older than him at the time. But yeah, it's even before I went to I got traded to Khaled before I went out to because I but I wouldn't report. So that got me, but yeah, I, I, Nick Boynton was—I uh, I dropped the gloves with him up in Muskoka here. Uh, he's a—you he, he feel there's a few kids like that. Uh, yeah, you almost felt bad for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, young, young at the time and very talented, and uh, but but I—I I was never a player who cared whether you were you were. A, Someone who was supposed to be good. I, I let a few guys off the hook to, uh, that I never bothered with, and and I respect. Metropolitan was one of them. I loved the kid, and and we used to go out, and and uh, I let him do whatever he wanted when he was on the ice. I had so much respect for him, and and how he played the game, and how talented he was that that uh, I never bothered him. He'd tell you I couldn't catch him, but uh, <laughs> he was uh, he he had talent
0: that one. Well, yeah, and like you bring his name up, and uh, and like I said, the other guy, uh, like Mike York, you played against, um, yeah, in Thornhill for the one year. Um, now, when you watch those guys, could you just tell it was just they were just at a different level than everyone else?
1: Metropolitan, you could for sure. Um, there was a saying that we had, and it's funny. It's like. Where the when I was in Mississauga, Muskoka had a couple kids, uh, Dave Faulkner and Mark McGrath, who they both one went to St. Lawrence and one went to Bowling Green on full rides to where they ate our league up. And uh, in our All Star game, I think Metro actually played on a line with the two of them, and they might have combined for like seventeen points between the two. Th- they just lights out, and then but then you get to college and. And neither one of them really pursued it after college. To, uh, where Metro went the other route. Right? He could have gone to college if if he had passed his SATs. I think. To, but um, he turned pro, and and he he was one you could tell. You could always tell that he was you. If he wanted to make a living at the game, he could.
0: Yeah. Well, so you wrap up your junior career at Misco. Okay, so now here it comes. So you're. You're going to turn you now. Was there any, um, like, was it the plan to go pro or did it sort of just how did that? How did, well, okay. You go to the Southern Hockey League, which was only around for that one year. Um, how did you end up there? And, uh, take me through the journey of how Bryce Davidson ends up in Daytona Beach.
1: I was, uh, I was supposed to go to Kinesis College with uh, where my brother was, to, uh, but um, he had had a falling out enough with the coach himself there. So, getting nervous in the summer, um, I used to work at goalie schools and stuff and the hockey schools during the summer. And and uh, an old goalie by the name of Rick Heinz worked as an agent for some players. And he asked what I was doing, and he asked if I had ever thought about uh, play trying to go down and play in the East Coast leaguers. For Central League, and and uh, it was with my dad playing in Tulsa. I had I'd always thought, you know, hopefully, maybe one day I'd end up and play in Tulsa for uh, for a season like my old man. and So Heinz uh, was like, "Pay me five hundred dollars, and I'll and I'll get your tryout in, in the East Coast League." And, and I was like, "Well, why would I give you five hundred dollars?" And he's like, "Well, I got connections. I'll, I'll I'll set you up." And I was like, "Well, let me see what I can do first, So. I I sent a bunch of, I sent my stats out or my resume and, uh, to a bunch of teams and, and lo and behold, uh, I get a call from John Brophy, who was in Hampton Roads at the time. And, uh, he was like, I, I I got your letter and I I got your stats and, uh, I'd I'd like you to come to training camp in Hampton Roads to, so I was like, oh, all right, that sounds good. And, so that's when he was like, uh, "Well, let me send you a package on the team, and and you can make your decision." So a week later, a package shows up in the mail, and it's a nice Hampton Roads bumper sticker, and and uh, and then it's a bunch of articles of brophy that he had sent up about himself, <laughs> about what a about what a nut bar coach he was, to, uh, and how he disciplined his players, and. And how he made them skate after a game, after a bad loss in front of all the fans, and then uh, or coming back from Roanoke or something, uh, he had uh, he made them all sit in the front of the bus, and he took the back of the bus because he didn't want to sit with losers. And and uh, I was like, what kind of like the package he sends me it had nothing to do with the team or the town or anything. It was just all about Brophy and himself. <laughs> so I go down to Hampton Roads and. Oh,
0: but that's the the best part. You still went. That's the funny. Oh yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When I when I talked to him on the phone after that, I was like, "Well, uh, I think I'm going to go to school." And and he's like, "You know, that's impossible." And I was like, "What do you mean that's impossible?" And he's like, "I've looked at your stats. There's no way you can, (laughs) no way you'll survive in school (laughs) playing school hockey." He's like, "You won't be able to drop the gloves for four years." So I was like, oh, I guess you got a point. <laughs> so instead of going to school, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll try this out for a couple of years and we'll see what goes on. So I go down to Hampton Roads and, and meet everyone and, and uh, we have a camp and they let it be known right, right, right away in camp that they didn't want any fighting and, and they didn't want any of that type of stuff. They wanted to see what everyone could do and, and there was some... Uh, tough kids down there. They had Ian Keeler from London, who ended up being my roommate in in Daytona, and I knew him from we played junior lacrosse together back in home. And he was a Mississauga boy, and then uh, and then Aaron Downey, yeah. who had just finished playing and uh, I think playing out east. So we're, I, I ended up having the only fight in camp because of a hit. I I threw a nice open ice hit and. On a vet in, in the scrimmage, so that led to the only fight, and then uh, we have our one exhibition game against. Uh, before we're we're playing Roanoke that night in an exhibition game, and uh, before the game, we're in the Hampton dressing room, and the speed bag set up, and and Downey's going on the speed bag, and Brophy comes in, and he's watching, and and like Downey was jacked, right? Uh, <clears throat> he he bust the speed bag, like blew it up. Uh, and Brophy's like, what the f-? like, holy shit! This kid just broke the speed bag, and uh, he could punch. Him. <laughs> yeah. So, so we sure enough, for we Downey and I both get dressed that night to to go out against Roanoke, and and I know this is the guy that you know we're competing for jobs. I would imagine, uh, and uh, where uh, Roanoke had Jason Clark, who I think had 400 minutes a year before, and. And I, I always laugh at this story to where I know uh, him and Downey were buddies. So, Ronald goes out on the power play, and, and Downey and I haven't seen a shift. We're side by side, and uh, it might even be going into the second period. And, and uh, he's like, Downey, there's your buddy Clark out there on the power play. And uh, Downey's like, yeah, and Rof's like, well, you got to do something about it? you got to let him score? No, coach. And he's like, well, get out there. So Downey gets out there and lines up against Clark, and, and we're all waiting, we're all thinking the fight's happening, right? Uh, and uh, the puck drops, and and it goes back to their point, and Downey starts playing the power play, boxing up, and and you know ten or fifteen seconds goes by, and then our goalie makes the save, and you hear Brof on the bench was like, Downey, get over here. So Downey skates over, and he's like, yeah, what's up, Brof? And he's like, Get your ass on the bench. If I wanted a penalty killer out there. I would have sent one out. <laughs> 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 so I ended up fighting twice in that game, um, and I want to say I did half decent. And and uh, I think I only got four shifts. And uh, I got uh, cut the next day to go to to Daytona. I remember going in and and uh, and Brof let me know that he he was sending me to Padavny down in Daytona, and and I was like, well, what's going on? He was like, well. We liked what you did last night and everything. He was like, am sorry, kid." Downey broke the fucking bag. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so,
1: <laughs> Downey went on to have a great career, <laughs> and I ended up living on a beach for uh, for a year. So that's uh, that's how I ended up down in Daytona with uh, uh, Walt W as our coach, and uh, and it was good times down there too.
0: Okay, well that was well that was a hell of a journey. There we go. Okay, so now we're in the Southern Hockey League. And uh for anybody listening, it was uh sixteen league, uh Lakeland, Daytona Beach, Winston Salem, Huntsville, West Palm Beach, and Jacksonville. Now at at any rate it's gotta be nice to be out of the snow for a for a winter anyway.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, I if they had hockey in Daytona I'd still be playing there probably. <laughs> yeah. So it was uh
0: well, so, okay, so obviously the league's only around for the one year, so there's got to be, it, I mean, obviously this has got to be a shit show for a first-time league. Um, how, well, first we'll start, you know, the old NH. How was Walt Padovni to play for? He was, uh, he was good. He was uh, well past his prime.
1: Um, yep. He was, uh, he was a good guy. I, 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 I really liked Walt. He was, uh, he could tell a good story. Yeah, a hockey lifer who uh, unfortunately passed away. I think nine years ago now, and uh, and goes to show you just the the differences in uh, in generations, I guess. Really, to where he was an all star, at a forty goal scorer, and uh, struggling to get by. Right, the, yeah. Probably maxed out at one hundred and fifty grand a year back then. If if he even made that to to what guys make now is uh, is unfortunate. I think he passed away on his uh, he was living in his sister's basement uh, at the time. Uh, but he was a he was a hell of a coach, hell of a guy, um, and appreciated me for what I did. I guess uh, he was uh, it was it was the old. I think the Sunshine League switched to the Southern League. And then they got Winston Salem and, and Huntsville to come in to where it was. Uh, Is you'd go to a place like Jacksonville to where Keeler and I used to count the the fans. <laughs> I don't think they got to 150. So we we'd have a, a a joke about that, and then but then you'd take the bus trip over to to Huntsville, and, and they'd sell out to where you know five six thousand people there. For a Southern Hockey League game, uh, so it was great playing when you go to go over to Alabama and then your games in Jacksonville. Well, <laughs> you just have uh, to get through them, I guess.
0: Yeah, I was just, well, yeah, Huntsville's still rolling. I guess that's uh, you yeah. know they've obviously embraced the game and uh, but uh, what, what, so what was your like overall? What was your your first year of pro like and? Uh, and like you said, hanging out on the beach—that uh, that's got to be all right. But uh, I'm sure. Did you have the? you have any classic bus breakdowns or stranded out in the highway or anything?
1: Oh, we had a few of those. We had uh, it was back. So where we were in being in Daytona, there was uh, the team put us up and we lived with a roommate in one of those studio hotel rooms. So you had a kitchen and and all that, but your roommates. It was like being in college. Your roommate was three feet away from you, yeah, <clears throat> sharing the same space. And uh, if you were not married, or and it, which I wasn't at the time, uh, but we were right on the beach in Daytona Beach shores. And because you were in a hotel, there was happy hour and free breakfast every day. So uh, we took advantage of that type of thing. And then, and then, uh, what was funny was you'd get kicked out for. They told a bike week. They kicked us out for a week, and uh, they told a five hundred. They kicked you out for a full week because for whatever <laughs> they, could whatever the rooms were worth, <laughs> the team wasn't willing to pay for them those two weeks. <laughs> to where they uh, they jacked the rates, I guess, pretty good. Uh, oh, yeah. So we we go on our road trips, and and uh, it was we were owned by a, I want to say a billionaire. Uh, I forget his name. I'd have to look it up, but uh, he tried buying the Astros at one point, and, and he was a really good guy. To, uh, and we actually, when you I, the stuff you see online about uh, females in sports and executives and stuff, our Eileen Sheldon was our general manager. She, uh, we had a woman general manager who also was the GM of the Daytona Cubs at one point, I think. Uh, so we were ahead of the curve twenty-five years ago with a. With a female general manager running things, but she, so she was nice. She'd she'd get us and Walt talk her into we'd have nice big coach buses with the beds and and all that to where. But we were we were coming back. At, I want to say it was December thirtieth. We were coming back from Huntsville, and the bus caught on fire in the middle of the night, going through Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, and I remember the paddy wagons having to come to unload us all to take us to the travel lodge. The, I forget what it was or how how it happened, but uh, I don't think you can play in the minors without having a crazy bus story at some point. Uh, oh, absolutely! A, a few accidents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we we backed into a few things in uh, in our day, and, uh, but yeah, that was a I want to say it was a eight hour nine hour trip over to Huntsville. But, uh, so it was nice. They they treated us really well down there. It was. It was unfortunate that that uh, the league just couldn't sustain itself. To, it's uh, but it it was tough because we'd you'd play five games and five nights all at home. <clears throat> like who's who's going to all five games, right? Uh, but you had your diehards, you had your your uh, we had our season people there to where I want to say we averaged five or six hundred maybe, but uh, nowhere near what what uh, what it would take to to keep a team going, I guess.
0: Well, I guess the positive. I guess if you, you're, you know, your owner has that much money, I guess your checks never bounced anyway. Yeah,
1: it was good. We always got paid. <laughs>
0: yeah, wow, well, that's that more than true. that's more than some cats could say down in the lower miners. That's for sure. Um, oh yeah. Well, I just, uh, like you said, uh, female GM. She must have done all right. You guys finished second, so. Uh, um, just a couple of days. The one day I was gonna throw at you, I noticed was. Uh, 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 an old OHL guy, Niagara Falls Thunder, was uh, Greg Allen. He played with you there.
1: Yeah, he he was a really good guy, too. Um, he'd come from school. I think he went to the Laurier in the CIAU after what he was done in uh, Niagara Falls, and he came down with a couple buddies. Um, really great guy, and uh, he ended up getting steamrolled near the end of the year by Peter Zerba and Huntsville. And got a really bad, like knocked out cold on a, like a blindside hit. That uh, then I don't know if he played much after that, but he uh, <clears throat> he ended up. Being, he was a really he was a really good guy. So we had some good ones down there, too, and uh, some good old OHL guys and stuff. And and uh, Donnie McPherson was our captain. Too. I still laugh at him if you take the. If you were ever find, I think I got a team picture of that team somewhere. If you look close enough, we're all in our equipment and saying it. It wasn't hard to find a party in come February and March in Daytona when all the schools are down and and the the races are going on and stuff. And and, and Walt has like everyone has to be at practice. We got team pictures. It's the end of the year. We want to make sure everyone's in it. And uh, our captain's missing the next morning. Because, of course, he got out and had a good time. And, and so, sure enough, they shuffle him. Someone runs, wakes him up, gets him to the rink. And if you look close enough, he's in flip-flops and shorts in the second row. <laughs> if, you, if you look through the legs, you can see everyone's in equipment. But you see a bare set of legs and some flip-flops. <laughs> Half hungover. To, but uh, Chris George had a great minor career after that. He's still in Huntsville, I think, doing really well. And i uh, surprised that uh, the people, uh, there's a few people that stayed down in Daytona that are still there now. And uh, I joked back then it was the team of, uh, we had uh, Chris Willadden, who was Craig and his brother, was in the NHL. We had Steve Chelios, Chris's brother. To He was with us for that year or two. To, so it was good times.
0: Oh, that was going to be my, my next name I was going to throw at you. What was Steve Chelios like? he was he was a good player he
1: was uh he, he played defense and uh and he he was the uh, i guess the stereotypical been there been around didn't listen to, like he had his routine and uh and he did what he wanted to do and and if you didn't like it he didn't really care <laughs> but uh good player It was always good to me um the I don't know, he wasn't there by the end of the year, uh probably because of attitude just with uh with Walter with the uh, with the management on on uh I wanna say he thought he was better than he was, but he he was a he was a good player. He just he uh I could see him having troubles jelling with a few people.
0: Yeah. Well, some characters that were in that. Well, that once again, like I said, you led the league again with 413 penalty minutes, so uh, <laughs> you, you stayed busy. Um, some of the other guys at the when uh, that league, Mike DeGurse, Did you ever uh, run into Goose? Yeah, we. Uh,
1: I think we only ended up fighting one time. But, uh, it, it was funny. Um, it was such a small league, and you played each other. Ten times, <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you end up becoming buddies, right, by the end of it.
2: And, and yep.
1: as long as you're not a, a, like I said, no one is really a dick because you did see each other all the time. We had our we had our battles, and uh, and there ended up being a mutual respect. And, and it was funny, like you look at someone like DeGuerre, who, like I'm only five eight, right? He was a lot bigger than I was, and, and it's fun. So I'd end up a lot of times with. With guys like, uh, and guys who were tough but smaller, like Jonathan Dubois, uh, who could put up the points, but he was a tough little shit. uh, um, He was one. um, Huntsville had Craig Cox for a bit to where, but I don't think he fought once because everyone respected the guy so much that no one went anywhere near him. And our, our buddy Middendorf was with Winston Salem for a handful of games to where. I could see why guys like that wouldn't mind that. I think they both went over to Europe that year, eventually. though. But, like, they got all the room they wanted. No one went anywhere near them. Everyone let them. They got to actually play the game, right, to where yeah. um, rather than doing what I was doing and uh, slotting away a little fly like myself. To <laughs> it was, uh, I ended up a lot with the middleweights, but I never backed down from any of the heavyweights to... I'm trying to think who else was in that league that, well,
0: yeah um, Zerba. Um, yeah,
1: um, Zerba was a guy he, he'd be one that I, I was never a fan of Zerba to where I just found him to be a dirty, cheap, pick, pick your battle type guy to where uh, I chased him around to where he'd probably tell you it's cause I only got five shifts a game that he, he didn't waste his time with someone like me. But, uh, he, like I said, he threw that hit on, on, uh, Greg Allen. And, and I don't think he, he never answered the bell for it. He, he'd either turtle or wouldn't play or to where he was just a, he was, he's a handful of players that I played against that had me going every time yeah. <laughs> to, to, to do something. And he just never would. Uh, it was, uh, it was unfortunate, but, uh,
0: Oh, yeah, and, and like you said, there are a few Dan O'Brien, Jamie Allison, Jack Craig, Tom Moulton. Um, there's a guy at Jacksonville named Phil Esposito.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> he didn't fight much. I went after him a bunch of times, too, but yeah, he's a big boy. He, he could play. He, I guess he, he'd fight before, but he didn't do much in the league when I was there. Uh, I remember West Palm got a player, Patrick Allard uh I think he ended up playing in the Quebec league for a bit, but like one of his first games there were in the warm up and he was chirping me right away with how he was gonna get me and he was gonna kill me and and he had my number to where I was just looking at him was like, bud, I get like four chefs, man <laughs> Like, really? <laughs> you yeah, you're worried about coming after me? Uh it was uh but I, I don't think we ever ended up fighting we maybe once to uh, Doug Mann I used to fight all the time he was in Lakeland um, almost religiously probably because we're from back home to where it was I remember being so sick one game and, and, and not making the warm up skate and and uh, put Dubny like oh well dress and you can serve a penalty if we get one or something right but just wanted to be on the bench and I can remember going out and Fever, and puking, and and uh, and lining up, and it was my first shift of the game. Maybe to start the second period, and I see Lakeland send uh, Doug Mano for either his first or second shift, and he lines up beside me and like gives me the tap, and he's like, "We're going." And same thing, I remember just looking at him like, "Are you serious, man? Like I'm dying here." And he's like, "We're going." I was like, "This is my first shift of the game, and yours." <laughs> you really want to do this? We're going. And sure enough, puck drops. We both fight. <laughs> and I only, had one more shift that game. And I think I fought him again. That's in that second <laughs> shift. too. Don't matter. It was like, that's, It's what made it hard. Some nights to, like the last thing I want, I, I shouldn't have even been on the bench and I get two friggin' shifts. And they are both probably five seconds long because the gloves are off. Then, and fighting a guy who wanted to come out and just fight. Uh, it was, uh, but Dougie and I had some some good battles back in the day. He, I talk to him all the time now, and and uh, he's still living down in uh, in Georgia and, and doing well. To, uh, it's uh, it's funny.
0: Well, yeah, and like, and like you said, uh, it was funny. I was just kind of just look did a quick look at that West Palm Beach team, and yeah, they brought in yeah that Patrick Ellard. Yeah, he went on and played like ten years down in Quebec. Um, but uh, they had Jason Rushton, uh, yeah. an, another guy, Gunnar Crosenberg They had him. Yeah, Gunnar the uh, bounty hunter. Yeah, uh, did I
1: remember you- Roger Larcher? Uh, I remember fighting him. Yep. Cut me pretty good ones. Uh, I remember that one. Uh,
0: I, I was we- going to ask you, um, and I've asked, like, I think I've asked everyone this question. Um, I mean, everyone, you know, loses fights. It doesn't matter who you are. Like I always said, Bob Prover got one punch too at one time. It, yeah. After you took a real, um, like, ass kick, like, did you ever get knocked out in a fight? Not
1: in not in hockey.
0: Yeah, okay, well, <laughs> um,
1: I um, was. Uh, people ask it. Uh, I get asked a lot to where I want. Like I by no means that I I didn't win many of them. I because I and I don't know whether it's because of my size, um, but it, between hockey, lacrosse, and extracurriculars, if I fought two hundred times in my life, I never had my nose broken. To, and I don't know whether it's because people always punch down on me, so my there's days I couldn't comb my hair, and uh, and uh, I'll get into a Ramsey story with later for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, and and I got to punch up, but uh, I did I I never, not in hockey did I ever get knocked out, um, and I don't remember ever taking a beating, like badly like one of my last fights was against chad grills in flint and he caught me in the side of my mouth and broke three teeth uh, that's the only like a few things like that and then stitches here and there to <clears throat> but never never took a beat down i can remember when i when i did finally say enough's enough and and i wasn't playing anymore i remember that always being in the back of my head like that it that I was lucky that way. That that I never had that guy who did knock me out, or or I I took the fight with the wrong guy, or yep. or I got caught, or or I just like when I when I when Angle said I went out, I he couldn't. I was holding on so tight, <laughs> he, <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't do anything to me.
0: <laughs> well, but yeah, because yeah. I was gonna add like. I was going to say, if you ever like kind of took a beating and, and and got discouraged or did you kind of get right back into it? But like you say you just sort of answered that question. But uh, did you ever find at some point it was just like, what, what am I doing? I just don't really want to do this anymore. Like, like at any point during while you were playing, like, did you kind of, or it sort of accepted and just like, all right, this is what I got to do. I accepted it when I when
1: I was playing, and uh, and I can remember for like even I remember my dad talking to me about it in junior, and then everywhere I went after that. uh, um, Like if you're gonna fight to make if you have to fight fight to make a team, be prepared to always fight. Uh, And 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 it did so. What what was like our Daytona team? We had some tough guys on it that that didn't like I said it was. We didn't fight too much but uh when I was in Saginaw there's only a couple of us to where when you're on that when you're on that eighteen hour bus trip up to the bay and you're you got eighteen hours to think about like they've got a whole lineup <laughs> yeah. and and we're going in with two guys three guys to where if if you could fight fifteen times in a game you you would have had fifteen guys willing in Thunder Bay right where so it did my it wore on me a lot in Saginaw to where what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Not going anywhere for and and that's eventually what I I went back and got released my second year to but picked up by Flint but I was back home by this time. And I can remember Robbie Nichols saying, "No, we don't like," and saying that Flint was a tough team to like. We don't need you to be our tough guy. We you know I want you to come and play hockey and and. Uh, because it's the same, like, we talk about, it. even if you're playing, you can, like, I could play, right? Uh, every tough guy's got skills. You just don't get to see them too often. To, yep. Um But I remember, and then, but at the same time, I was like, oh, well, who'd you give up to get me? And he's like, oh, well, we sent Jason Payne to to uh, Quad City. To, and I remember on the phone with Nichols and just thinking, like, so you don't want me to fight, but you just sent Jason Payne away <laughs> yep. to Quad City, who was your toughest guy. So, like I, every coach I ever played for, gave me that line of "We don't need you for your toughness. We don't want you to fight." And within three or four games, it was, "All right, <laughs> come on, do something." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. So it was. Uh, it is. It's. I remember like Shane Stevenson or Roland and I remember a few of the guys and even Lee Norwood who we had in and, and Saginaw and, and they all, you ask anyone who's played and actually like been, in, it's it, there's a reason it's the toughest job in hockey. It's, it's, uh, it is stressful and, and wears on you and, and you got to be in the right mindset, I guess, to, it never bothered me too much to until I maybe five years after doing it uh, got to and mind you, I did it a lot more than the average person in a regular season, but I again I, I want to say because I didn't put the fear into anybody and like I it wasn't just heavyweights anyone who wanted to fight could find a partner in me. I was only because of my size, I think I had everybody willing. To, to take a shot anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, well, we're talking about it here. Uh, so, wrap up in Daytona Beach. Um, at that point, like, what What are you thinking? Like, uh, do you get the word like, yeah, we're not going to continue or did you just, you wanted to come back home? How did, uh, well, how'd you end up in Saginaw?
1: Um, what happened, I, I don't know whether they had folded, technically folded yet or not, but I, I was sitting at a, Somehow, John Blum, uh, the coach in in Saginaw, got my number and and uh, gave me a call and uh, and offered me a spot in Saginaw. Said they were starting uh, a new team there in the Colonial League, and and then saw my numbers in in uh, in Daytona, and and I'd come with good references and. And, uh, Winston, John Anderson was coaching in Winston-Salem and, uh, he was coached in Quad City of the year I was in Saginaw where he had a cottage up here, uh, not far from so I used to see him and he was a, he was an awesome guy to, uh, so he had put in some good words for me and, and, uh, so that got me to, the lovely Saginaw, Michigan to, uh, uh, it was, uh, I figured I'd give it one more year and, and, see if anything happened, and, and if I could if I could go anywhere or do anything. To, uh, and then that was a whole other experience in itself. <laughs> yeah, well
0: let's, uh, well, let's get into it. The Colonial League, I mean, uh, everybody listening out there, um, check out my YouTube page, Fourth Line Voice. I get type in COHL. Uh, I got a bunch of Colonial League footage on there. Thunder Bay with Mel Engelstad and Bruce Ramsey and Jacques Maillot and Lakovic. and I mean it was a crazy league. Lots of tough dudes rolled through it, and uh, you were there for the '96-'97 season. And uh, just kind of looking at the sag, we'll start with the, some of your teammates here. Like you said, well, first of all, how was John Blum as a coach? What was he like?
1: He was, uh, he was special. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a he's a different cat. Um, He just got a job as a commissioner of some league, I think. Too, Uh, someone tagged me on Facebook that he's back in hockey. To where uh, another lifer. To I just don't know if I ever learned anything from him that year, other than um, his chaos that followed him around. uh, But I I remember could explain our team and our year that year to where. He brings us out and he's got us all on the ice and it's one of our first practices and, and, uh, we're sitting at center ice and he's just outside the blue line and he gives us this speech about, uh, how he played parts of eight years in the NHL and 200 and some odd games and, and, uh, because he could do two things good. And if we could all do these two things good, we'd be all right this season. And, and so we're all like, what's that? And he, he literally dumped the puck out and then skated across the red line and dumped a puck in. he's like, that's all it takes, guys. He's like, I played parts of eight years because I did two things very good. I dumped it in and I dumped it out. <laughs> and I can remember we all just looked at each other like, what the hell is this? <laughs> to our, that might have been our breakout in a uh, four-check that year. It, uh, it was... Uh, he was a uh, he was he was a good guy. He was he, he had a big heart, and uh, it cost him sometimes. To, but uh, he was a wild and crazy man at times too. But, uh, he was in Daytona before me, and uh, and I think he had to check himself into a a get well center for a for a couple months. Things went a little squirrely for him.
0: Some some uh, issues there. Uh, yeah. Dump it in, dump it. Hey, V-out, V-in. There you go. Hockey hasn't changed in a hundred years. No matter how much the analytics guys want to make it. Yeah. Well, another another interesting name on that you played with, and I know, like first round pick. Lots of, and I'm trying to think. I've had other people on this show that have talked about him, how tough he was, and how good he was. Actually, might have been Mittendorf. Now that I think about it, was Max was Shane Stevenson.
1: What yeah, he was he was a he was I hung out with him the whole time he was there. There was myself and Shane and uh J D. Eaton were a little trio for for uh for a good month and a half, two months maybe to where... and it, it if someone has, like other than Metropolitan if uh for skill wise he was the most talented player that I other than the, the some of the pros I shared the ice with, but like in, in all of my playing days, the he had hands and a shot and 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 he was tough. He not too many people um I know he fought Baumgartner and, and he had a couple tilts when he was in the NHL to where his his attitude I think is why he, unfortunately why he um never went anywhere to I think he was happy when when he was playing with us. He was probably making a thousand a week and and had his own place and and uh, and he was happy with that, right? And and didn't have to go to the gym and didn't have to listen to anybody. And and uh, but he was uh, he was an extremely talented hockey player. And he I only saw him fight once, but uh, it was he was the type before we got him. <laughs> he was a guy that like if we were all talking on the bus or going into, I forget whether he's in, I forget where he was before that Brantford, maybe, or, or Utica or something that where they were just stay away from him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had, he was a lefty. And uh, I remember that was one of the first things I got taught in junior was uh, we had a, my assistant coach is Tony Cello. Played in Sault Ste. Marie with uh talk and, and Todd Gill and those guys. And, and uh, he taught me how to throw left right off the bat. Uh, he's like, you got to be able to throw with both. you got to be able to throw left. And uh, he's like, the average lefty will beat a good righty every day. <laughs> and it, and it's like, now when I go back and watch old fight videos to where, like, you see Domi pumping those lefts to the, some of the guys that those yep. left-handed guys yep. were, scared, were scary to where Shane was a lefty uh he, uh... He, he got all the room and that's same thing. maybe he enjoyed our league because people let him play right he he could razzle dazzle and and he'd wear his leather pants and uh <laughs> and and drive his corvette and and uh and he was the show yeah, his nickname was uh Leggy for the legend and and because everywhere he went he was he was the guy uh he was a, I, same thing, i still talk to him a couple times a year and and uh, and shoot the shit when we can, and and uh, I always he was a, he was great to me and and a great guy and stuck up for me and uh, many times with uh, with Blummer or, or management when I was in shit and and uh, that was just, we we had traded him to Brantford, sorry, were because he and Blum had played together in uh, Maine, I think, and and it had got to that point of half the team listened to Shane and half the team listened to blum so it had to there had to be that disconnect of yep. who's coaching the team right yep. so so unfortunately shane had to go to where but uh we had a few we had lee norwood came and played a handful of games with us he was well past his prime but same thing great guy and uh and one of the funny things from that story i remember because it being in 95 i think to I remember phoning home and telling my parents, we had a friggin' Atlanta flame on that team. It was <laughs> Bobby Simpson, I think, was 41 or 42 and happened to be living in Saginaw at the time. And he came out and was playing with us and practiced with us a bit and then started playing with us. And I'm trying to see how many games he ended up getting in with us. but uh,
0: 13. <laughs> yeah,
1: I remember us being like, who are you? <laughs> and he was like, Bobby Simpson. I played for the Atlanta Flames. <laughs> We're like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah. I think he played 150 or 200 games in the show. And, uh, <laughs> he was a uh, he was a great guy too. To where he just loved being back and being around the guys and
0: and uh, having a gay old time. It was it was funny.
2: Uh, he but, made uh,
0: five points in 13 games. Uh, well, you know. There you go. yeah. Well, and, Lee, and like you said, Lee Norwood. There's another guy, right? He's 36 at the time. We played 12 games with you guys. Um, yeah, you know, 500 NHL games, and uh, just uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the old yeah. I mean, at that time, obviously, father time has caught up with them and everything. But at the same time, when you're out there practicing with these guys or whatever, I mean, you could tell they had NHL skills, even then. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. To where, like, I, I remember that even as a as a kid who I'd get to skate with and see sometimes, and, and uh, whether I was in Midget, I think. I remember going out to one of the neighborhood rinks one time and watching, like, watching Mark Osborne or Tom Fergus one time uh, skate before Leafs stuff. And what they could do, as you think is a fourth-line NHLer to, uh, like, lights out, right? Uh, yeah it's it, the guys who have played a game or or like said Norwood was jacked even like whether it was 36 or whatever. he might have had no hair at the time but like he was probably in better shape than anybody else in our dressing room so <laughs> he was uh and when played the game and was so smart and like great mentor and and talked to everybody and and uh, just good guy right so yep. it, uh they were always, uh, it was fun having those guys around.
0: Well, a name you threw up briefly, and you I know you said you were his roommate, was a character named J.D. Eaton. You got any stories of J.D. Eaton? I mean, uh, he, uh, well, you had 400, again, I laugh, 441 minutes. You led the league.
1: But he also had,
0: he had 301 penalty minutes that year. But uh, he's an old OHL guy, played in uh, Detroit and Sudbury. Uh, what was he like to hang out with? he
1: was uh he's a teacher now if you can believe it um there you he, go. i don't know how many of his stories i can share he was uh he was a he's a good guy great character fans loved him um j d stancer james dean and nice. he 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 acted like he was james dean <laughs> <laughs> he had the leather jackets and the feathered hair and and uh and the girls all loved him and and uh, he used to joke his claim to fame coming out of Sudbury was uh, where he's back living now, was he was supposed to be the next Mike Felino. <laughs> he was the, the homegrown Sudbury boy. To, unfortunately, extracurricular activities <laughs> like uh, to many of the players, uh, probably got the best of him. He enjoyed uh, his nightlife as much as he enjoyed his uh, hockey and um. But he was a guy too who was willing, right? To, he it was a long year that year in, in Saginaw, as you can see with some of the plus minuses. To, yep. he uh, he was, and we were we weren't we weren't in, in a very tough league. We weren't a very tough team. Yep. So, yeah. he uh, he was a guy who was always willing, also to answer the bell, and uh, he had played in the league for a couple years already. So he'd he be the one who would fill me in and, and let me know who everybody was and who to look out for or what type of guy this guy was or what type of fighter this guy was. And he was always really good that way. To, um, but, yeah, he was a good, he was a good dude, JD.
0: Well, and another guy you played with before we move on to the other teams here was uh, you know definitely a minor league legend was uh, Jimmy Duhart.
1: Oh, yeah. To, to Dewey and I didn't get along too well. No. Nope. Uh, no, it's uh we traded him halfway. He almost reminded me, Um he, he again he was he was almost uh there's another guy on there um Chris Grenfelt. Uh they ended up so Dewey was Dewey um not knowing exactly what the stats were uh the way Duhart was described to me was uh someone like myself almost, right? Like smaller guy, tough, um, would fight. And, and he didn't do any of that for us. <laughs> uh, he, it, it reminds me of the, the quote, uh, uh, uh crusher turns into the Russia, right? Uh, yeah. he was, he got a letter. He might have even been our captain. One might've given him the C and, and, uh, and he, he came across to me as like the arrogant vet, right? The, the um so let's say him and i i i didn't get along with all my teammates but when we were on the, the minute that whistle went and the anthem played we were all teammates right i didn't yeah it's not like a, if someone took a cheap shot at too hard, it's not like i would have been like well, ha, ha. i still did my job to but we weren't hanging out uh, away from the rink by any means to uh, the uh so we ended up I think I tried when we traded him to Memphis or to Madison, sorry, um I tried fighting him and he wouldn't fight me. Uh but he, he and he knew something I didn't, right? He ended up becoming I think a forty or fifty goal scorer and and uh I was building decks <laughs> a few years later. So
0: Well that, um, yeah, that well that's the one thing with art is you go through the guy's stat. if you look at it just his stats, they're unreal. I mean, yeah, but I've heard from like he had a couple fifty goal years and hundred and two hundred minutes of penalties and blah blah blah. But yeah, it was um, was it Chris Waltz that I talked to? There was someone. There was a couple of guys I talked to, and they didn't like him either. It seems to sort of be a, a a theme as we go on that he he isn't the most popular cat.
1: Yeah, he did. He didn't come across to me as a team guy, right? He's a yep. He's a he, or. It was the same in junior. I like I was the, I never believed in any of that rookie shit or or stuff like that and when I was in junior our coaches didn't allow any of that stuff. Yeah. So so I it was uh, no different than that. I remember in uh going back to Wayburn, uh they tried making us do the sweat box on the way back we were coming back from Brett. We played uh, the LeBret Eagles or something. Yep. They're like, I have rookies in the, in the sweat box. And I was up near the front of the bus, and they're like, yeah, that that's you too, Davidson. And I was 20 years old at the time, and I was like, like, fuck, boys. And uh, they're like, and, and coaches and all that stuff are there. And they're like, no, it's you're a rookie. And I was like, I'm not no rookie. I'm 20 years old, man. And they're like, oh, this is your first year in the SJ, so you're a rookie. And where I, I remember standing up in that bus, and I was like, you, you guys think you're going to get me in that in sweat box? I was like, you might, but I'll get one of you. <laughs> so figure out which one it's gonna be. And they they just left me alone, right? Uh, and I never uh I never bought into any of that stuff where where Duhart was that type of guy. He he would have been that type of guy, right? That
2: yeah.
1: picked on the picked on the rookies or picked on the 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 bully, right? The bully yeah. on the team where and I, I didn't take any of a shit. So it's uh but every team has them. Oh, yeah. Um, right, so... But, oh, every, uh,
0: everybody who's listening that's played sports, you haven't liked every one of your teammates. That's just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just like when you work somewhere, you don't like all your co-workers either. It's, that's just the way things are. But like yeah. you said, when the uh, buzzer goes, I mean, you know, yeah, it's the team, it's the logo, right? So... Yeah. So,
1: yeah, I'd be the only one, really, I think, on that team. Troy Benny when he was there, I didn't get along with, but... uh He wasn't there long enough to, yeah, have to do anything with me. But um, everybody Uh, else, I know.
0: I was going to say, there's one guy out here that Mark Green. Shit, I just Uh that that dude had 80 goals.
1: Oh, he he was uh, he played with me in Daytona too. He came uh, came right at the end of the year. He was a hell of a hockey player. Um, He uh, unfortunately took his own life not too a few years ago. Or um, but he was, he was, the type, he probably had 500 shots. Um, he could put a puck in the net. Uh, he, uh, he went to Clarkson university. Yep. I think he got drafted by Quebec and, uh, I remember him Winnipeg. saying, same thing. He, he was a big guy. He was like six, four, but he, he wouldn't hurt a fly. He, uh, he wasn't physical at all. Would never fight uh, and that's what's funny, right? I I go out and try and create space and I'm ten inches shorter than this guy. Um but uh he'd take a shot on a four on one and miss the net and the other team would come down on a four on one and score on us. <laughs> uh, but he was uh he was a character, he's our player coach. Um only nice things to say about him. But, uh he, when he came down to Daytona he he uh, took me under his wing a little bit, and he same same thing. He was a he was a connection that helped me get to Saginaw. To, um, he looked out for me a lot, and uh, I think his son is at Yukon, I think, and went to Anaheim's uh, prospect camp last year. He's got uh, his oldest boys uh, playing, um, but yeah, great guy, and and so. so like big and slow, but holy shit! Like when you talk about offensive instincts and and a nose for the net and and almost like a Dave Anderchuk, he was so big and had such a long reach, and he had the most horrible heel curve that I don't know how anyone could shoot with his stick. Uh, but a, a funny story about him—I remember him telling us about as close he went to three Quebec camps. Like two or three cats, and uh, wherever, like so. Of course, sitting around. Like, did you ever get to play in a game, an exhibition game? And he's like, I was dressed for an exhibition game my my first year of training camp in Quebec, and in warm up, I'm collecting all the pucks at center ice, getting ready for the dump in. And someone shoots a puck, hits the pile in front of him, jumps up, hits him in the mouth, cuts him for nine stitches. So he leaves that game and get sent down the next day oh. and never, and never came close to dressing again. <laughs> so, <laughs> where he, so he got on a warm up for an NHL exhibition game <laughs> and never, cause he was, a, he was like, uh, he was the one too. He's he like, I used to work out and, and I'd go to camp all in shape and I'd spend my summer like training. He's like, and then these vets would come in and they'd be telling me how they played softball all summer long. And, and then in camp, I'd see that I'd get cut, and they'd just keep making it. He's like, so by the third year, I played softball too. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, it was a, it was a little <laughs> different world back in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's
1: still one of the. I don't know how you score eighty goals and still end up minus sixty five, but uh,
0: <laughs> that was going to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, yeah, 145 points, and the dude's a minus 65. There you go. Yeah. That, that says something about the Saginaw team right there. Um, oh, yeah. Well, I laugh because, I mean, you scroll down, and I, you guys had 11 goalies. Oh, I'm sure we did. Yeah. That's pretty funny. That's
1: crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, and like you said, well, we're going to kind of just go through the rosters here because this league... I mean, I uh, being out here in Saskatchewan, I mean, obviously, and again, with no internet back then or TV deals, I mean, we never got, the only time I ever saw the Colonial League is a few years later when I ended up getting VHS tapes from Engelstad. But it was, uh, man, the tilts in this league, and uh, it must have been something. But, like, the first team just kind of going through, they finished first, you know, the Flint Generals, led by another minor league legend, Kevin Kerr. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, Kerr hated me. Uh, um, I think he, he. I ran into a friend of his not long ago, and I think he reminded me that Kerr hated me. Uh, <laughs> he was. Uh, <laughs> he was. Uh, He's another. It's it's funny. Uh, like where are these guys and how they end up where they they are to where. Same, he he was a phenomenal player, tough as nails, yep. dirty as shit, in my opinion. Um, just as soon as you In the teeth as he would drop the gloves with you. Uh, I think I only fought him once, and uh, I, and again because he, I, I would have been someone that he wouldn't have wasted his time with, really, where he was in his career and an older guy and and uh, and a hell of a player, right? Than uh, than to bother with a fourth liner like me. But uh, the only time he did fight me, I had uh, I just come back from getting. I literally had pins taken out of my hand that morning and they knew I had a brace on and he, he dropped the gloves with me. It was the only time all year that he fought me uh, and he never fought anybody else really on our team. He, he got to do what he wanted to do to, um, but he was, he was a mouthy and mean and, and, uh, he could play. He was a he was a good player. Yep. But he's coach. He's coaching somewhere I think now too. Still.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, he was in the Southern Pro League coaching, and now he's uh, he's in the East Coast League in Greenville.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. But, uh, but and and saying like he tough in his day, uh, but I never got to see him fight. Like he he didn't bother. I think his, he was more. I don't think he dropped the gloves much near the end. I'm guessing to. Uh, it was uh, wayne Muir was like that on uh Bradford. He he's another guy who drove me crazy but he'd never fight to where and now like you look back at it now to where guys in their like 30s or or late 20s that have been around for 10 years already i'm sure they've just gotten tired of it right to, oh yeah. yeah
0: they don't have the young
1: guys do it now and, and they're scoring 30 and 40 goals which hey, that, that paid the bills better than than what we were doing.
0: Yeah. Well, another guy I wanted to ask you, and i watched him play out here being on the Western League, and uh, in fact, I think he's the WHL's all-time leading scorer. I mean, ridiculous stats um, was Brian Sackick, Joe Sackick's little brother. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously not a fighter, but, like, ridiculous numbers. Yeah. Um, what was it like? Uh, well, you know, uh, what was he like to play against? Do you remember him?
1: Yeah, it, it, like Flint was a good team, and uh, and so like two, one, they got points. Like they they had the players who could put up points, like Sakic and uh, and Kerr and stuff, and and then they were, they were a lot like Thunder Bay, like tough, right? Like they had um well, they
0: had pain, they had got.
1: Yeah, they had Payne and they had Nick Forbes and they had Chad Grills and they had, um, uh, Ken Spangler and, and like they, if you went down their lineup, they had, they had eight or nine guys that if, if the bell rang, they could, they could answer it, right? And, and for a, for a crappy little town as, as Flint was, to uh, like they packed their rink, like it was sellouts. Every time, we were only, we we were a good rivalry. Like, we were only half hour up the road, I think. uh, But it was, like, I fought Jason Payne there on New Year's Eve. And there's a picture of it somewhere to where, like, it is standing room only. And, uh, like, so four or 5,000 maybe to where just, and that place is chaos. And they love their team. And they love their fight and their fans were crazy and it was i want to say i probably fought twice every time we played out of my 40 fights that year i two-thirds of them probably came against three teams <laughs> and Flint <laughs> being one of them to uh you know, thunder bay and, and branson <laughs> it was uh but sackett was there, there were some players that were fun to watch like sackett sackett was one um Jason Firth from uh, Thunder Bay was another one. to where, yep. like, when I when I mentioned guys who who uh, who I never bothered, like I I liked watching Jason Firth play so much that uh, I like I don't think I ever laid a stick on him. <laughs> no, again, I probably couldn't catch him, but um, it was never a problem. Right? It was like if I took him out in the corner where everyone else would have got a face rub or. uh, or a little jab or something, it was, uh, Hey, Percy, great game, bud. <laughs> and then, and then skate away. Right. Uh, yep. there's yep. Just certain players that, that, that you did respect and, and you respected what they could do. And, and I always believe that they were in that league out of a choice, right? It was, it, if they had wanted to play somewhere else, they would have been playing somewhere else.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, it was, uh, um, the net, well the the Brantford Smoke like you said you already talked about Wayne Muir but I mean uh, a couple other characters on that team uh, Richie Walcott Mike Bajerny everybody remembers Bajerny from the Laval Chiefs movie did you have any run-ins with old Bajerny
1: Oh yeah so he was one that we played them in a, I made a mistake in preseason we're we played them I think in our last preseason game and it was. Brantford was good. It was one of the, it's 45 minutes from where I grew up. Right. So my parents could actually come and watch. And, uh, and then they had a guy by the name of Paul Palillo, who was like nine, led the colonial in scoring for nine straight years. And was the like Wayne Gretzky of, of the colonial hockey league. I like 190 points, 170 points, crazy, crazy numbers. Right. So we're playing in, uh, a preseason game, and and I always back. I played defense until uh, Dakota, and then I got moved forward. So <laughs> I'm coming back on a, on a back check as hard as I can, and I was one of those as as bad as he says. I, I was a predatory hitter. Like I I would read the plays and figure out what was going to happen and and anticipate it so that I met the guy there just as he's getting his pass, or just as he was making his turn. And uh, so I'm back checking on Palillo And knowing he's at the end of his shift, and uh, he gets uh, maybe two feet behind him, and he, he gets to the center line, and he does the soft dump into our end, and he turns for his line change, but he, he watches his dump in. And I fucking steamrolled him, and fucking laid him out, and he was probably the first time in three or four years he'd been hit to where <laughs> it was every time we played Brantford after that, I had to fight two or three times a game, all because of that one hit. Where they chased me every single game, and the journey would be the worst to where, so say, like, I've talked to him since, and, and we've joked about it to where he would chase me all over the ice. to <clears> – <throat> Between himself and uh, who else is it? Uh, Mitten. Um, Wayne Muir who I'd like, try to fight but he wouldn't. Um
0: who see, else like, Cade have... McAllister.
1: Cade McAllister, yeah. I dropped the gloves with him. Corey Eisen. Jesse Austin um, Jesse Austin I fought a lot of times. Um, he was in Dayton too. To, uh, I got a few pictures someone sent me once of me and him having a tussle, but he was a guy who would always come after me. Um, but they were they, it was uh rag. I think I fought Herb Ragland.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was there a, he played eleven games there, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh so I got a joke when uh my team won the Herb Ragland Peterborough uh lift lock tournament this <laughs> this year <laughs> where I was laughing. <laughs> um but uh it uh they were a good team. They were, t- they were like, they could, they could put the puck in the net and, and, uh, and then they had their guys. Like, yeah. I, like the journey was a, I've, I've never watched the chiefs to, uh, really but, like, yeah, I've never seen it. To, uh, I, I might even have it on DVD and, at home, but I don't think I've ever watched it to where I remember reading about it, but like the journey was a nutcase, to, uh, and that's like I ran into a few players like that, to where like that loved their job, that loved what they were doing. I wasn't necessarily one of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't mind doing it, <laughs> and and I had fun doing it. But but journey took it to that next level. Uh, yeah, um, he'd be a type like waiting in the parking lot as you're getting off the bus, letting you know that he was coming. Right, uh, he was. He was like that rabid dog that that was ready to to do something all the time and and willing to go with anybody and and uh, so we tangled a couple of times but I had a, like there was a waiting list when we played brantford uh, <laughs> yeah everyone everyone wanted a piece of me but uh, it was like Palillo the rest of the year never like if you. He saw his shadow so many times when I was out there it was the best thing I ever did was throwing that hit on him uh, it was uh it, it led for uh it, it became a pain in the ass. <laughs> but uh but it was uh it was something I always i I can picture it right now just like deer in headlights when he made that turn and admired his dumping i I couldn't resist. There was no way I wasn't, <laughs> no way I wasn't sitting them down.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, well, yeah. Hey, you get. Yeah, you got to watch that uh, that movie, that documentary. It's interesting. Um, yeah, actually, Bragerny comes across kind of normal in that. You have to, <laughs> you have to check it out. Actually, his brother was the one that made that movie. Um, well, the next team, uh, Port Huron, and uh, so you got uh, Curtis uh, Sailor. And, uh, Jason Renard, uh, uh, Chad Richard. Yeah.
1: They, yeah, the, 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 tough guys, like they did, they, I never fought Renard. Um, he didn't fight much. He, he was a guy that, uh, I think had all the tools to, he looked like a hockey player to, and was tough. and could hit, and uh, but he never had to had to do much. Did a, a a defenseman who Chris Scarletto, to yeah. Skittle. I, I he ended up we ended up going out after the game a couple times in Fort on and meeting up with them, and and uh, we still dropped the gloves a couple times. But but a uh, great guy. And, uh, and say I knew his job and, and was willing to do it. And, and, uh, and, and, uh, I still talk to him now. And then you'd get the, like the Curtis sailors who I fought once to say like, just different, just, uh, there for a purpose, enjoyed their purpose. <laughs> yep. Um, sad Richards, huge head, uh, um,
0: dude. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Just a big guy. And I, one of those that could have been an extra large helmet and it just still looked too small on him. Uh, it was, uh, those guys that you, you couldn't hurt. I don't think, uh, he probably didn't need a helmet. to um, but they, they were a tough team. Um, cause Blum had worked with them before. So there was always a little bit of a, a rivalry and, uh, I think Blum's brother played for them, so uh, there's always a little bit of a a back and forth with them. Those those were good times.
0: There you go. Well, then uh, the the, uh, the last team in the old uh, in the old East Division anyway was the Utica Blizzard. And and the one guy on this team I want, being in Saskatoon, I watched him all, and again, I think he's Saskatoon Blades' all-time penalty minute leader, was Sean Yakamishin.
1: Yeah, so he'd be more like me to... I'm trying to think if I can find him. uh, So he's a smaller guy. He fought... um, Link was in our league that... I never got to play against Link. Uh, Oh, that was going to be one of
0: my questions, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he he was either... Suspended or not playing. Uh, um, I think it was after. He, Link didn't do too well. Uh, it was Yakimishin fought him, and it had gone around the league. And not, uh, he beat him. Uh, it was. I don't know whether it was before or after Mel got a hold of him. But um, Yakimishin, smallish. T- like, yeah.
0: Really? Huh.
1: Yeah. It was like like I said. I. Like all the respect for for Link in the world, but he he was well past his
0: oh yeah
1: yeah well past his prime when when he was guy I don't know how long he lasted um like i said i we were in- uh Madison um and he was there outside, he came over and he knew Eaton pretty well to so they were talking, but uh he was a big boy and and not just in height but in size, right, so uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't think he'd get around the rink too, too good back then. To uh, it, it wasn't. I, I don't think he was. Uh, like uh, Yak, Yak beat him. But, uh, that that was. I didn't see the fight, but that's that's what went around the league was no. uh, that. That uh, like, hey, did you hear commission put down Gates? But, uh, it was. Uh, it was one of those. Like, wow. But, uh, it was. Uh, but I've seen the. It's, I want to say we were up in Thunder Bay just after Mel had fought him to, it, again. Same thing. It was. I got all the respect in the world for Mel. To, it was. Uh, it was a good battle. To, yeah. And any
0: anybody listening get, uh, again? I have that that fight I have up on my YouTube channel where Mel puts down Link. In a toe to toe, they're going pretty good. Toe to toe, and then Mel kind of finishes them at the end. But actually, the amazing thing with Link is he actually went on and played in the Quebec League for like five years after that, and fought, <laughs> and fought a million times. But uh, yeah, wow, well, that's uh, well that's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, Commission I mean, I, like I said, I've seen him fight a a million times. But you know, a smaller middleweight guy, So yeah, to hear that he took Link down was uh, that's pretty you know that's pretty surprising actually. But uh, yeah. I mean, but yeah, Yak was a tough dude. Didn't back down. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, the it was like he played the game tough. To, that's what, it was a league where I found a lot of like back then too. So much of it had to do with size. We had a lot of guys in that league that were smaller guys that were that were tough, often yeah. could play. Like uh, we had another guy, Jeff Whittle, who. He's actually uh, coaching uh, in Muskoka here next year, to where I remember him too. To say he's like five nine, five ten, built like a brick shit house, and could could play, but was tough to where. But that was an era too, where you had to be six four, right, six yep. three, to everything had gone to size, and it was all about how big you were, and and. Uh, it was unfortunate for some of the for, for some of the guys that were in the league.
0: No, absolutely, yeah, and uh, but yeah, like you said, tough, some tough little dudes, and uh, um, but yeah, just uh, I, I will, uh, well, the one T R I want, Quad City, the Mallards, I mean, who won the championship the year that you were there, uh, or, or that you were in the league, um, you know, they had dudes like you know. Uh, Mark McFarlane and Howie Rose and Blatt and um your old boy Steve Chelios on the team for briefly <laughs> Yeah. But Glenn Stewart and uh Hugo Prue and guys like that. What was uh what was it like playing in Quad City against those guys?
1: So it was the same, like it was almost like um playing in Huntsville the year before, right? Like they you love going to Quad because it it uh They'd sell out their barn. If they held seven thousand, they put seven thousand people in there. So it was, and they were the type that the people around the front row would make signs as the game was going on. So yeah. if something happened in the game, would be going out for second intermission, and and they'd have a sign already for something that happened in the first period. Yeah, a um,
0: few well, Davidson, you pussy signs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty like you suck or you're a turtle or.
1: Or yeah, they'd be making signs up as the game went on. Uh, but uh, our first game there, um, I had a good time there because I had that connection with Anderson, and uh, and I would have loved to have played there. We tried, we tried getting me there at one point. Uh, um, Blum wouldn't let it happen. But um, the uh, they had Mark McFarrow and I fought a lot. Uh, he was in Winston Salem the year before. We probably tangled four to five times. He was a tough. He was more my size, right? He might have been five eleven or six feet, and and uh, but tough, tough, played tough, um, was willing, and and uh, but my first game there, I fought. I think I dropped him with uh, Rosenblatt, and I went back on my ankles. and so I missed the second game. Um, they had John Batten too, a big defenseman who was. uh, be a dick um <laughs> he was a big six three, six four guy that ran around um but yeah it was uh my my only memory from quad city really when i, I won 1400 bucks at the roger craig's uh riverboat casino <laughs> while we were in town uh, hey. that, was, that was the one good memory out of quad
0: was, that's not a bad trip yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I'm like no, like no,
1: Todd, Newton, Brad, Todd Newton, Brad Barton. Um again they were, Anderson didn't play that type of game. To, like Glenn Stewart was he was fun to watch, right? Uh, he was uh he was a good player. And then uh and then they were tough but they didn't they didn't really run around and and intimidate you in any way. But uh but they had like every team in that league, they had they had four or five guys that it had no issue, no issue at all, Yeah, um, saying anything to anybody.
0: Well, the next team I want to talk about, we're briefly, Madison. The Madison Monsters. Well, okay. So you had Link there. Um, in, in terms of you had uh, Colby uh, Van Tassel, uh, Fran Reed, Richie Walcott was there briefly, Gunnar Krosenberg again. And then to top it all off, you had Dave the Hammer Schultz as the coach.
1: <laughs> he was uh Schultz was a nice guy <laughs> He was uh he could intimidate anyone just looking at him. I think he's a big man um, but they they did they had uh, they had some good guys they had a good team the, the the story I remember from there was uh they had um if they scored seven goals in a game, every goal meant a letter, right? So, um, to spell bowling. So, if they scored seven goals in the game, everyone in the arena got free bowling. And, uh, so we go in there with our lowly lumber kings, and uh, so sure enough, like, they scored the first goal, and it's like, that's the letter B. Six more goals, and the whole arena would chant, we're going bowling! (laughs) So, they do this up to seven, right? To where we lost 13 friggin' one, ah, I think in that game, but it was like me and each were on the bench by the fifth or sixth goal, like singing the song ourselves, right? Like we're going bowling. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but they had, uh, yeah, they do Dewhart and, and Gates and, and, uh, I fought Van Tassel a couple times, um, he was one of my last ones that year. And he he was actually my last fight I think that year. I've got that on tape somewhere. Um they were in Saginaw or again they weren't a for for team coached by Schultz, they didn't they didn't really play Schultz type hockey, right? So it was uh it was uh uneventful other than the bowling. <laughs> other than trying not to send everyone bowling when you're in uh In Wisconsin, (laughs)
0: that's only in the minors, right? Love it. Oh yeah, love it. (laughs) Well, the next team is the infamous, the Thunder Bay Thundercats, and uh, with Tom Warden coaching, who was a tough dude himself, um, to Mad Mel, Jason Disher, Kevin Holliday Bruce Ramsey. Although Rammer was at, I think he was only there briefly that year, nine games. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, what, what's it like to roll into T-Bay with bay with, um, with those dudes waiting for you? Yeah, so that's
1: the, uh, that's a fun place to play. Um, it's not a fun bus ride, uh, but it was. So when I first came to the Colonial League, it was the first team and people I had heard about was, uh, Thunder Bay and uh, I think it was the year before that uh, Robin Bouchard did his moonwalk and uh, Anglestad chased him all over uh, so sure enough I, I hear about Anglestad, and I hear about Ramsey and I hear about these guys uh, in our first game against them I fought uh, Ramsey uh, and I'll remember it for the rest of my life because he cut me on the top of the head for six or seven zippers to uh, right in right where my part is, right in my scalp, to, uh, and um, but I finished. I I dressed and fought it. I think I fought this year after that. Uh, we got the helmet back on for the second and third, and, <laughs> and uh, I went back out there. To, uh, um, but it was they—they they were by far the toughest team I ever played to play it against anyway to um i fought like i said uh, up in thunder bay i got tangled up with mel once and uh and mel was always a good guy to he'd talk to me first with if, if he thought i was doing something he'd he'd skate by and be like all right dave some time to calm down um leave uh leave mcpherson alone or or uh leave figgy alone and and uh, I'd be like, all right, no problem, Mel, sure thing, but <laughs> To Holiday, I fought, I want to say, six times, six or seven times, Holiday, because we were going back and forth for for fighting majors and penalty minute leaders that year. Um, so I got a couple of those on tape. But uh, he, he was a guy who was ready and willing and all the time and uh, a big, strong guy. But... Uh, yeah, I joke with the with the Anglestead one. Uh, um, he say he knocked my teeth out, but uh, with his stick. And not even on purpose. He, <laughs> he was dragging it behind him, and he lifted it up to bring it over his shoulder. And I was behind him, and he didn't even see me. And just took me right in the mouth and knocked two of my teeth out. Uh, I had to sit in, uh, with broken teeth for the rest of that road trip. Because in the in the minors there's no going to there's no going to the dentist until you get back home. Yep. Uh, so sitting there with teeth broken, right at my gums for uh, for a couple days until we got back home. But uh, I want to say later in that game, we we ended up getting tangled up and and uh, and I got a hold of them and our gloves are off and uh, and I, I the guy was gripping onto his arms tight enough that. My fingers hurt, uh, and we're we're wrestling with each other, and we're going around, and and uh, and it gets to that point of the linesmen are like, "All right, start throwing," or we're getting in there, and uh, and then of course Mel's like, "No, you're not. No, you're not. We haven't even started yet." To where, and then me knowing I've got a death grip on him, to where I'm playing the role with like, "Yeah, yeah, stay out, stay out." <laughs> to where, you no, know, like. I think if you put my two fists together, I don't know if my hands as big as Mel's hands are. Tonight. Oh, Mel's
0: hands are ridiculous. Yeah, I know. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, um, so I, it was. I was holding on, and holding on, and and then the, it gets to the point where the lines were like, "We're coming in." So as they say that and they start like, you can see them out of the corner of the eye start moving in. I let go and Mel lets go, and we both just threw that one haymaker. And I want to say we both missed. We both fell on the ice, lines and broke it up. And I never had to fight Anglestad again.
0: But, uh,
1: <laughs> the rest of the time, other than hits and some chirps and pushes and, and stuff, it was uh, like I said. Like he, in my my view, and and uh, he's one of the toughest guys I've ever seen or met, and and the videos I've seen of him, and and so much respect for him and uh, and what he does now, and. And, uh, it was you know, like, he was a legit heavyweight, uh, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure at the same time he was looking at me and he knew he had four other guys on his team that would have no problem dropping the gloves with me. He didn't, he didn't need to do that. Right. Uh, it was, uh, he, like, <laughs> I'm glad I got out of it. All right. To where, cause I've seen what he's done to some other people and, uh, I'm sure if he had ever connected my nose would have been broken so um it was uh I'm happy I'm happy that I can say I dropped the gloves of him and that I <laughs> I can laugh about it afterwards
0: yeah well, he was uh well like you're saying with Kevin Holiday <laughs> this is this is how hockey was back then folks Kevin Holiday had 403 penalty minutes Meng- and Engelstadt who's on the same team at 422 Imagine that. Like, I mean, that's probably, that's more than like NHL teams get nowadays. And this is two guys in <laughs> the same team. And then to top it all off, 422 minutes doesn't even lead the league. You, yeah, with 440. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, yeah, she's a different time. I'll tell you. Um, well, I just got a couple more, te- a couple more teams and I'll, uh, we'll, we'll kind of get going here. I've taken a lot of your time up, but, uh, I can listen to these stories all night. This is great. Um, But one of the teams is uh, Muskegon, and uh, you had Robin Bouchard and uh, Rob Melanson and Jody Murphy. Um, Well, Bouchard, there's a guy, I mean, he played forever, too.
1: Yeah, like super talented, um, but a cocky bastard, right? To where I I guess you can be when you're that talented, but uh, he was a guy that I was like, he was one of the few that year that I didn't like him. <laughs> yep. He was, uh, yeah. and saying like, if you ever did a moonwalk after you scored a goal on us and yeah, I, w- I wouldn't like you. Right. But, uh, he was, uh, say, I don't remember ever dropping the gloves to, he, w- he'd score and chirp and stick and hide. Uh, and it, like the I fought Jody Murphy a couple times to say a huge size disadvantage, but uh well, say he's a you big men-
0: dude, yeah,
1: yeah, you mentioned uh Melanson to where he was um I never fought him, and i ne he didn't fight anyone on our team, but he he's the type that he was strong, good defenseman, and there was there was I, I couldn't even tell you what I did one game. Something happened to where him and I got thrown out at the same time. And I, I, I remember on the ice, he was trying to get me, which got him thrown out. And when we got off the ice, he pretty much came after me in the hallway. And they, the security and stuff stopped him to where the look in his eye and the way he played and, and mean to... I'm glad I didn't have to fight him in that hallway to where he was... He he definitely could handle his own. I'm sure to where he was just a a beast of a defenseman and uh, and took no shit from anybody. To, um, it was uh, it was they had another guy there that didn't fight much either. But in junior, I think he had some. Uh, Justin Morrison was uh, yep. He's another guy who could put the puck in the net. and I think he might be the last. OHL to have three hundred minutes and a hundred points. Uh, again, different eras, right? Uh, he was uh, he was a hell of a player, and, uh, and same thing, and could handle his own and 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 do all right. Uh, and then they had the Danny Gratton, like I said, um, but uh, yeah, Muskegon was, was usually me and Jody and yeah. uh, or had Van Tassel too. Uh, it was, uh, it was a long drive over across Michigan to get there.
0: Well, the last team on our Colonial League journey for 96-97 is uh, the Dayton Ice Bandits. And uh, I think they were as bad as the Saginaw Lumber Kings were. Um, <laughs> uh, you had uh, like, Jim Lasar, Jesse Austin, but Journey was over there for a bit. Um one of the characters, and I, I just uh, I know he, he played in the in the Central League for a while and stuff, and I I just dig the name it was old Cosmo Clark.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. The, so he might have been in Winston Salem too when I was in Daytona. Great guy, to, like just a great, great and big man and big afro and and big smile and and uh and and hung around for a long time uh, yep. he uh he actually works at uh he just uh, he helps at uh, jeremy roenick's hockey school uh, so still involved a little bit and uh and but it's never uh, in the two years i played against him he never fought right never had to wasn't really that type of guy a big teddy bear really when i played against them uh saying playing in daytona back then that every team would stay over right uh, if you're going to daytona why don't you stay over uh, so we'd end up meeting up with these guys a lot of times in the uh in the bars on the beaches and uh, so i ended up being out with him a couple times to and then you run into them the next year and you shoot the shit before the games and and uh, just a, an all-around
0: great guy, Cosmo Clark. Excellent. Well, man, there there we go with the uh, the Colonial Hockey League. I wish there was more uh, more footage of the league out there because it was uh, wild and crazy. And uh, well, you keep mentioning tapes. I, I I we we need to get that footage from you. We need to see some shit. Yeah. the people need to see some Bryce Davidson tilts. I think.
1: But, I was going to say, I, there's many times I thank the Lord. I was. I was done playing before camera phones <laughs> and, uh, and there's bad tracking on them because it was, it was, uh, they're the old, uh, game tapes that the, the team would film and our, yep. our radio guy was right beside it. Right. So you have the full commentary going and just how excited those minor league announcers get. Right. Oh, when there's, uh, there's this and, and what homers they all are. <laughs> it was, uh, Eat. I, I should mention, ask Eaton because uh, he used to have a ton of. He. I think at the end of the year, I think he took half of them. Uh, it was. Uh, I, I got a couple of them dug around. I'd have to find a VCR to, <clears throat> to see if they even play. But uh, yeah, there's a couple of them. To
0: well, yeah, because uh, well, JD Eaton, I know. Uh, Alec the Marine. There, he has started up a Facebook page. I don't know if you're on it. Uh, it's best enforcers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I know. I've noticed that. Uh, I've gone through my wife's Facebook and I've kind of lurked on that page. And I see that I believe JD Eaton is actually on that page as well. So, uh, no, yeah. yeah, we might have to. There might be some footage talk happening here. We'll have to <laughs> see what JD's got. But uh, before I let you go, uh, like we were yeah. talking before, your family uh, was deep into hockey. Anybody listening? Uh, your grandfather was Bob Davidson, who played for uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs back in the '30s and '40s, and uh, you know went on to coach and and to scout. And you had some uh, <laughs> you have an interesting scouting story of your grandfather. Could you uh, share it with the listeners? All
1: right. So my my grandfather was a hockey lifer, and uh, and. Was a, a scout and the chief scout of the Leafs in the '60s and '70s, and and uh, and found some real gems. But uh, back in the '60s, he gets a, a letter from some guy in Perry Sound about this this kid Bobby Orr, who was 12 years old, and and this guy thought the Leafs should uh, pay attention and and come and scout this this kid because he was lights out. And uh, so just imagine like. <laughs> this is what 40 years ago that, uh, they were still potted off 12 year olds to the pros. Uh, yeah. Um, my, so my grandfather politely writes back to them. Um, yeah, I got, uh, you know, thank you very much for, for letting us know about this boy. But, uh, unfortunately the Maple Leaf 12 year old, 12 years old is, is too young. And, uh, and the Maple Leafs, uh, therefore will not send a scout up to watch. And, uh, and to contact them in a couple of years if the kid's still playing hockey and still has the skills. To... So back in those days, what would have happened is they would have sent a scout, and if they liked the kid enough, they would have bought, the Maple Leafs would have bought the Perry Sound Minor Hockey Association so that Bobby Orr's rights would have belonged to the Maple Leafs. So because of all this, and my grandfather's saying no, the, the next year the Bruins sent someone, and liked him enough that he became the Bruins property. so every couple of years, some reporter finds it and and writes the story about how the Maple Leafs could have had Bobby Orr if it wasn't for this dumb scout <laughs> who said no to a 12 year old boy that uh, they weren't interested in him so that was one of his uh, one of his failures. His, I, his biggest I, story I, probably
0: well yeah well man it's just uh how, how history could have been rewritten it would have been oh yeah you know and it's uh I know I have a lot of leaf listeners and I, I if they have never heard that story they are literally probably punching their phone or computer or dashboard <laughs> right now yeah after hearing that but he did like you said he did find some gems who were some of the guys that he scouted and got signed
1: uh, Frank Mahovlich, Dave Keon, um, most of the 60 Leafs would have been guys he, uh, he found and signed. Um, and saying it's, it's funny, just another talk about different errors. so back then you signed a C form, which was, uh, if, if a team liked you and wanted you, um, they could sign you to, to they paid you a hundred bucks and you became their property for that hundred bucks. and that that was that was your signing bonus and we got a just down the road from me we got a a guy by the name of dale Rolfe who played for the kings and and the rangers and and uh he's got to be in his 80s now to where i'll see him every now and then and and uh i know his son pretty well and uh, we're at the hunt camp and and he it comes out that the relationship that uh that he finds out that my who my grandfather was and He's like, Oh, your grandfather scouted me. And I was like, Oh, really? And he's like, Yeah, when I was up in Timmins, tried getting me to sign a C for him. And I was like, Oh, why didn't you? And he's like, I chose the Bruins instead of the Leafs. And he's like, Oh, the Bruins, eh? And he's like, Well, they added a Mitchell rod and reel to the deal. So that was the breaker (laughs) to where (laughs) can you imagine a fishing rod (laughs) is the reason you you sign with a hockey team? cuz they offered to get you a new fishing rod. Well, maybe but, that's um,
0: maybe that's the least need to do with Marner. Yeah, they all he's got the cottage now, right? Exactly. So,
1: he's up there he's, by uh, you. you.
0: You hey, yeah. you ever run into Mitch? You tell him, "Hey, what's, you know, is it a fishing rod that's all it's going to take?"
1: <laughs> it is. its uh, I had uh, with my grandfather. I, I got uh, I was lucky as a kid. I grew up in Maple Leaf Gardens at the he'd get me practice passes so i could go down with my friends on saturdays and i'd end up watching more teams practice than in uh, the in the games and getting to meet all the players and and stuff and and it was the one and only time I, he used to get to coach the alumni games and uh so the canadians would bring their alumni team and and uh the Leafs would have theirs and and I was, i think it was my second year, junior. And anytime we went down to the gardens, uh, we had to wear a suit and tie. It was a, a family rule, um, out of respect and stuff. And and uh, so my grandfather was like, well, will come down between the first and second period, and I'll get you in the room, and you can meet all all the players." And I was with my dad and stuff, and so we go down between the second and third, and uh, the usher stops us out in the hallway, and and uh, no, you you can't go in there. And there's all these kids standing around with uh, like Dougie Gilmore posters and stuff, getting autographs of players, and and uh, so we try explaining who we are, and the usher's like, "No, nope, no, nope, sorry, no one's allowed in this hallway." And out of nowhere, this kid comes up to me, and he's like, "Hey, can I get your autograph?" To where I, like, I'm 19 years old wearing a suit and tie, standing outside the leaf dressing room, and uh, I look at the kid, and I was like, uh, "You don't want my autograph, kid? I'm, I'm a nobody." And he was like you're Bryce Davidson. You're the goon for the Mississauga Senators. (laughs) This kid knew who I was. So, all right, I guess I got to sign for you. And then it was like, everyone saw me sign that one autograph, and no one had any idea who I was. And I sat there in Maple Leaf Gardens for 30 minutes, rifling off my autograph in intermission for all these kids to where, you look back at it now if they still have it they'd be like well there's daryl sittler and there's ronnie ellis and there's tiger williams and who the hell is this guy <laughs> oh those poor kids
0: <laughs> oh, i love it love it that yeah. was uh well that was great man uh, like i said we've gone for almost two hours now and i could do two more i'd listen to these stories these are great um Bryce, man, I appreciate you taking the time. I won't keep you any longer. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to sit down tonight and bullshit with me and uh, and relive some old memories and uh, you told some great stories, man. I appreciate it.
1: Well, I, I appreciate reaching out. I'm glad we could finally do it.
0: Well, and now you're telling me, I, I hopefully now you start listening to some podcasts. I
1: will. I'll, I'll ask my daughter how to do it. <laughs> yeah, She was all excited when I told her she's down in Boston right now. I told her I was I was doing this tonight. She got all excited. Though. She knows more about it than I do. <laughs> well, uh,
0: fourthlinevoice.com, fourthlinevoice.com. Check it out. All the uh, all the episodes are up there, and uh, I'll have yours up in a few days. But, yeah, speaking of Boston, I saw the pictures. You hit cheers, I see. Yeah, oh, yeah, I had to. <laughs> I don't I don't get out much to,
1: or get around much anymore, but uh, when I got down there, it was, it was, the. I was, we we're gonna be my boy and uh or my daughter and I were gonna be in town for eight hours and I said there's one thing we gotta do before we do anything else
0: <laughs> Yeah but, I, uh, <laughs> I'm a big, I'm a big baseball fan, so <laughs> yeah, I, no, uh, I keep wanting to get to Fenway Park.
1: Yeah. Same I am same thing. I like bucket list for me. Yep. And uh and like true sure, the where they weren't playing when uh when we were in town, but so she's back this week and she's going to the game tomorrow night. Oh, where, Again, like how our kids get everything we didn't have, right? Yep. I'm like, how the hell is my daughter going to be at a game in Fenway before I've gotten to a game in Fenway? Uh, always my dream, man. To see those old ballparks.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I still kick myself for never seeing old Yankee Stadium. So I was telling the wife, I said, well, I, we got to get to Boston to see Fenway. Yeah, and I want to totally hit cheers when we're there too because that was like one of my favorite TV shows ever. Oh, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Definitely. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I won't keep you any longer, but, uh, again, thank you very much for coming on. This was great. I appreciate it. Thank you, Derek. All right, man. Take it easy. Have a good night. You too. Thank you.